This is Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And alright lads, I've, uh, this week I've been finding myself re-watching, or kind of watching for the first time, the thick of it, right the way through. Oh, great show. Don't know why I'm bringing that up, just feels relevant at the moment. Uh, yeah, I've seen oh. the other, I'd seen oh. the other episode on TV before, well, I've seen the movie, uh, what's the movie called? Uh, the, uh, in the Loop. In the Loop, yeah, but first time watching it through, and yeah, if it wasn't so fucking goddamn scary, considering the world we're in now, I'm having a great time. How are you anyway? Oh, well, um, I don't know. I have to say, after the sheer fucking horror that 10 o'clock on Thursday was, which I was sat, we were sat here together, and Joe won't go into detail, but he's got issues with his washing machine at the minute. <laughs> and we, and we watched, and we watched that, that come in. And then, believe it or not, um, we couldn't. We didn't basically say a word for like an hour and a half. Probably the quietest we've ever been in one another's company, wasn't it? Ever. Just couldn't talk or just completely gobsmacked by it. But then over the weekend, there's just like this horrible feeling of just like, oh, well, that's it, isn't it? That's how elections work, unfortunately. And you don't always get the result you want. So it's, you know, I don't say it's over and done with, but yeah, the eaten cookie monster is in greater power now than it ever has been at any time. Well, it'll be a safer company. Uh, country about that terrorist in number 10 won't uh, I think like the the amount of like I said this on Twitter the amount of gammon dads out there who were mm. just like their pure seething hatred of Corbyn and want of Brexit was just I think it was underestimated just how yeah. much the country's made up of those fucking people like we know some ourselves I'm sure we all see it on our uh, on our Twitter and Facebooks like yeah it's just a it, 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 I, I, I took some comfort in looking at the map and it was like blue everywhere, but Liverpool was red, like pretty much exclusively apart from the uh, the Southport area, which doesn't count anyway. Um, <laughs> CJ Banks might tell you different, but he's wrong. Um, that that my brother actually went canvassing in that area because I think the Lib Dems, if all of the Lib Dem votes had gone to Labour, they would have beat the Tories. And he was going door to door on the the day before trying to uh, talk some Lib Dem voters round. But no, we were pretty much universally red. Manchester was red. I think London was red. And then that was about it. Oxford's red. Is it? Yeah, oh, that's half good to it is. Half my constituency is Lib Dem, JP's is uh is uh Labour. And then everywhere else around here is blue. Yeah. Like everywhere else. Half of Southampton's red as well. Wow. It kind so of, like Coventry, I think, is yeah. like the nearest where there's it's, like Labour yeah. seats. It's like the worst way to make the point, Joe. But you know your point your your point you always make about Twitter not being real life. I think, oh yeah! I think we found out the oh, hard way. Yeah, that, yeah. Our, our echo chamber and the people you follow—they all seem to agree with your politics. Turns out, real life's a very different story. 2015 election—I remember being all over Twitter, Facebook, still, and thinking. I think, I, like, in a way, I was like, "Oh no, nah, not going to happen." But I was a little bit more enthusiastic, a little bit more positive. And I remember after that thinking, "Nah, like you just can't trust this." Mm. Like. It, 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 my world is like an echo chamber or was at that point mm. honestly at that point i know i was still using twitter for a few years but in terms of like political stuff i took a real step back at that point in time because it was like i don't like the discussion out of the way it's going i don't have a divisiveness that facebook is toxic for political I was, discussion i was gonna say as much as you dislike um twitter it, I compared, just really dislike com- social media. I think that's where it gets. Yeah, I mean, you get into Facebook, and Facebook is just horrific, and it's completely unregulated. 
So like, I mean, I've brought him up before, but my uncle's Facebook feed is a, <laughs> is a fucking disgrace. What's well, he been to? in a digital space that's unregulated? It's just, well, it's hard to kind of gauge what the fuck's going on, what yeah. people are thinking when you've got a bunch of Russian bots making uh, mm. images with the uh, marmalade jar gollywog for uh, mm. gammon like your uncle to... Yep share on facebook and show and, what a great country we lived in 40 years ago yeah it's all like kind of nostalgia and isn't it the pc police trying to stop them doing it these days you know mm. lots 70 year olds nostalgic about getting scraped knees in the 50s or whatever um and then <laughs> wasn't that you and ali pali uh, jp sorry wasn't that you going down ali pali hey. wasn't that your childhood on, on, the, on the sledge, oh, it, I had a very different, like, kind of political upbringing to what to what my my family in North Allerton did. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> like, like growing up in Wood Green and Tottenham, where it's just like it's Labour. This is how it is. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard making sense of this kind of election from a from a media perspective. And there's been a few sort of really interesting think pieces out there about it where. Basically, older voters, they're still getting their media from newspapers and television. Mm. And this is where we get into the kind of criticism that we've all had about the BBC. And obviously, Joe at the image we used for last week, so with the Mail and the Express. And that's that's not the whole story. I think there's a lot of people trying to find, well, that's to blame or Brexit's to blame. It's, like it's, it's complicated. And it's a combination of a lot of these. I don't think it helps that for four years you have an absolute hammering on every major national newspaper bar sort of three that stuff seeps into your consciousness regardless of whether or not you're going out and buying these papers it's the images you're seeing and it just will drill its way in and it seems by 2019 it kind of hit there and then there are things obviously about corbyn himself that are also to blame but the media echo the echo chamber stuff it's like I'm very wary of unfollowing people, like especially on Facebook, who might be like family members with yeah, yeah, yeah. different political opinions. I don't, I'm not one for doing that because you need to know what's going on. You need to know the conversation is being said. And this now, more than at any time, do we need to actually have a look at basically how do you engage with people who seem to believe completely different politics? To, to what we would have or know nothing at all and yeah. try and educate them it's like Steve without coming across as the kind of lefty liberal arsehole they've been taught to hate all well, for I a think long Steve time Steve Coogan made a great point on Channel 4 News where he said uh, when they asked him what way Alan Partridge would vote and whether Alan Partridge <laughs> would be a practice here and he was like well yeah because he's ignorant and like culturally like inept and then he followed up by saying, I honestly believe the Tories have underfunded education and raised tuition fees in order to make people more stupid because they're more likely to vote for them. And, you know, I honestly believe that when you can exploit an entire group of people where Labour policies are going to advantage their lives in many ways, make their lives better. And, you know, there were issues with the way those policies were presented without a doubt. It felt like a bit of a pick and mix mm. every day where they were just throwing a new policy out there. And it probably wasn't the best way to do it. But, you know, using nostalgia and using immigrants and poor people to manipulate the minds of people who aren't so well off in the world and convincing them based on emotion rather than actual uh, sort of quality of life and things that will help to improve their life. It's kind of genius tactics. As much mm-hmm. as I disagree with it and hate it and have no respect for it, it's fucking worked. 
when I hear people saying, oh, I'm voting for the Tories for, because of the NHS, and uh, was it Martin who told us about uh, people talking about how they'd been closing down like community centres in Rotherham, so they were going to vote for the Tories? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what fix the it. fuck? <laughs> this yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. A, Are you yeah. ill-informed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a sad state of affairs. It is. Have you got your passport or is it JP? You're going to be going over uh, to Ireland or what's up? What, what's, your, what's your escape plan? Well, I was kind of figuring when I, when I had to go on the run at some stage, just assuming somehow it would happen. Um, Why are you going on the run? I would use that. I'm always up to no good, bit shifty and all that. You like to play up the geezer stuff. <laughs> so well, I'm running away to Marbella or Well, or you're something. buying into your own gimmick there, I aren't am, you? Yeah. Believe yeah. in your own hype. But, <laughs> yeah, he's working yeah. himself into a shoot, like that famous um, Hulk Hogan uh, tweet. To be honest, if there's a chance of clearing my mortgage, I'm up for marrying whoever if oh. they need to try and gain nationality. But you Business. know, this is a this is a money based proposition. So <laughs> if you, you want to jump in on that, trying to smuggle people out of the UK <laughs> to uh, into Ireland. I'd like to come. I'd marry you, JP. I think you'd make a good husband. I'd be great company. <laughs> there would be a lot of melts around the house, wouldn't there? <laughs> Every room in the house at all times would be playing a bit of Observer Radio. You could cook us a nice roast. I think it could work, JP. I think it could work. I think it could work. I think it'd be really lovely. You should adopt JP's kids as well. Be a couple of gay dads. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. They, you know, they'll be game. Yeah, it'll be good. We'll make a new life for ourselves in Dublin. It would just be the rimming that would be the problem, wouldn't it? Fucking hell. How do we get the general election to uh, this? I know for a fact you just popped Jeff Ogden. There's at least that. <laughs> there is always that. There's, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you buy me a nice dinner, JP, make me a good roast, we'll talk. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, God. How do we go from that? Arsenal oh, yeah. shite, maybe that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they are. Mate, I'll, I'll start whispering it now. This is... You can't have Carlo and Charlie. We've got him. Ah, you, I heard you were going to go after Emery, which did make me laugh because I would have thought you'd be taking this Arsenal thing to a whole new Gotta level. Got to big dunk. Yeah, take big dunk. Yeah, give him a, a job. Great performance on the touchline. Yeah, apart, apart from like that substitution with uh, yeah, that was Keane. bad. Yeah, that was. What, what happened? I didn't watch he match of the day for obvious reasons. Ten after seventy minutes and took him off on eighty-nine minutes. Yeah. Why? And then ignored him when he took him off. He, walked <laughs> down there. he just he walked did, down. He, he did kind of come off like he looked like he looked as miserable as you'd look at and taken off again. And it kind of looked like Ferguson was like, "Well, fuck you then. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mumbo dadja and just turned his back on him and let him walk off to the. It was a sad sight, especially like for a young lad in a foreign country, like you know, needing experience. Uh, but you know, it's a big dunk. He doesn't suffer fools. That is one thing. He- Great post-match promo as well from Dunk. Oh yeah, brilliant! Oh, it was great celebration. Like when um, when when United scored the own goal, like it, it was literally like Ferguson himself had scored a header. It was beautiful. Yeah, oh. give him that job, please. As I said last week, if you're gonna, if basically you're gonna um, hire the Bruiser Brody of the Premier League in in Duncan Ferguson, then you're gonna get some wild shit like the Moisey Keane stuff happening. Mm. Might be his equivalent of just not going along with a with a booker in somewhere in the south of the US <laughs> and don't he fuck up the card. Like that Lex Luger match where Lex yeah. Luger jumps out the cage, yeah. It's, it's like the uh, the Bill it was the Bill Watts rule where if you get into a fight in a pub, you've got to make sure you win. Otherwise you get sacked. I think I, I reckon Big Dunk could have a rule like that. Like if he took over Arsenal, I think Ozil would be in trouble. Oh yeah. 
absolutely. He probably, I mean, Jesus. Like, you wouldn't fear anyone, would you, with him on the touchline? <laughs> Just like staring, staring at your eyes Perhaps like they're piss sort, holes in the snow. Perhaps that's the sort of manager Arsenal needs. I'm going to give him a bit of a kick up the arse. Yeah. Get Tony Adams in, mate, but a nostalgia. I that, brought that, that in. That seems to win elections. And the, and the I, back. idea of having every player come out with a pit bull staff alongside them just to try and intimidate the opposition at the start. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm game for that. Otherwise, it's awful watching them. Just completely awful. So, yeah, after the election, I, I relaxed myself on the Sunday with a lovely, relaxing game of shite. <laughs> you may have to edit the more exciting job. Um, yeah, I had a cracking weekend. Very hungover yesterday as a result of it. Needed a good drink after the uh, after the election, I think. And uh, a good drink I had, that was for sure. And it was, uh, yeah, well worth it. So that was, that was exciting. But yeah, it took me a serious while to go over that election. I slept for 11 hours Friday night. Fuck it, Al. Yeah, straight, straight through, you know. I think, I think it was a bit of depression from the night before. Mm. Understandable, yeah. It's, a, it's it's one of them as well. It's just like, I, I think, again, we live in our bubble. And like, I, even I, like on the night, I just remember walking walk to the local polling station through uh, JP's favourite area, Kirkdale. And just kind of thinking, oh, God's country. Nice. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people walking with me. And all there. We're, we're all voting Labour. We're all in this together. It's just those other areas. So if there's any, any listeners Aye. out there who can influence the gammon dads, please do. Mate, night of Brexit, or day of Brexit, I cast my vote in Oxford, and it was my mum's birthday, uh, the next, uh, two days later, but I was going back home, uh, had a little bit of time off work, um, voted in Oxford, remain everywhere, thinking, yeah, we'll stay in, like, we, we'll do this, I think there's just enough of us, got, back, got on the train, got back to Southampton, everywhere was just leave, it was like, oh my God, it kind of like dawned on me when I got off that train and we were driving through Millbrook, the council estate that I lived, and it was like, oh shit, <laughs> this is happening, this is definitely happening. Mm. Like, it was weird seeing two polar opposite cities in one day. Mm. Um, yeah, you, you can't trust your polling station. Well, I was the only person in the polling station when I went, it was bleak and depressing. Oh. Mm. Maybe uh, maybe Andy Q needs to punish Southampton, stop running shows there. That'll teach him, maybe. The 50 people I don't know ago. why he runs shows. <laughs> it is a disgrace. Yeah. Uh, so at least yeah. wrestling's been great this year, yeah. which is always good for cheering everyone up. Well, that's and this is the podcast for getting cheered up. Like TLC, that was a good show, wasn't it? I think you were watching it literally as uh, I, I came as we as I came on the line on Skype. I heard Joe let out a mighty cheer. You could only be watching one thing, uh, WWE TLC. Fuck me. Um, if if the grapple ratings are anything to go by, like I've seen most of the show. But there's, it, yeah, there's some fucking shite on that show from last night. All we've seen was Bray Wyatt versus <laughs> The Miz. God. We saw... That the, was on your recommendation, Benno. Oh, yeah. <laughs> time I'm never getting back. We saw the build-up package for Rusev versus Lashley. Fuck me, that's a feud. And we saw the start <laughs> of the match, and then I saw some brawl backstage between Baron Corbin and a load of randomers that just look absolute shite. So the Bray Wyatt thing, my God, yeah. it's just utterly embarrassing, isn't it? Like, what is it? Does, like, is he, is he thick? Does he think this is good? I, I, yeah. I think, I think he's got some good ideas, but I, 
maybe oh it's through the Vince filter or may I mean the biggest part is that the matches still fucking suck, don't they? Like when was the last time you saw a good Bray Wyatt match? He's um, never had one. Uh, yeah, you know what? Six man against the Shield. It's a six is the man. <laughs> exactly. Uh, singles. Yeah. Good Bray Wyatt single. I, I want Garrett to crunch the numbers now. What's the highest rated grapple singles match with uh, with Bray Wyatt? I can't think of one. That one against Daniel Bryan at the Royal Rumble before Daniel Bryan was forced to join the Wyatt family. And it was the Rumble of the year when everyone thought Daniel Bryan was coming at number 30 and Rey Mysterio came out. Oh. That was the opener, and that was Rey, a pretty good match. Rey Mysterio got booed. Like, the one of the greatest baby faces oh. of all time got booed there. It was great stuff seeing it happen, though. <laughs> what? Seeing... The crowd, the, the way the crowd's oh, reaction right, to it. Right. No, not Bryan. Mate, Bryan I was coming. furious yes. at the time. I was yeah. glad the crowd was furious. Completely, mate. Like, it was like, yeah, rip into these this this we were doing a podcast at that point in time i think that would have been the angriest i've ever been on a podcast <laughs> and that's saying something yeah we missed some we missed some great years there the whole roman reigns thing we could have done uh, back when we were oh. all still watching wwe we could have put when we, we were wasting our time joe with uh, attack reviews and uh some <laughs> res podcast on the indie corner when we could have been slagging off bray white years ago absolutely yeah the uh brexit corner uh, let's just say <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, we absolutely could have been, yeah. But, ah, you know, we can slag Bray Wyatt off a little bit now. So, yeah, oh. why not continue? Did you see the build-up package of the match? You know what? That, I, I I watched that and all I could think oh. of was you. Like the whole like <laughs> haunted house type thing with Bray oh, and the Miz's baby. Like, oh, my God. Mate, you... the camera angles, like in his house. Was there, like... a, ca- was there a camera inside the cart? I'm pretty sure there was. Yeah, yeah, at one point. Then there was one on the ceiling. You're like, what? <laughs> like, are they going to do like, the baby scene from Train Spotted on the ceiling in a minute or something? Like, I, I doubt anyone in WWE has ever seen Train Spotted. It seems to be shite, low budget horror films that they're taking their kind of cue from. It, I looked like I was watching The Purge at one point when I was watching it. <laughs> My God, I hate, I'm not a fan of like cheap horror anyway. Hmm. The horror films I like are like, good horror films not shit horror films i've got no time to waste watching films like the purge and all the all of the other shite films and that sort of cycle and over the years with any sort of low budget slasher genre tripe never any time for it what's the point in just watching the same film over and over again and then i'm forced to bloody watch it by jp <laughs> on a wwe pay-per-view like we make movies what was the last fucking film vince watched honestly revenge of the nerds and he's still pissed off that the nerds won. <laughs> Biff Tannen's the good guy in Back to the Future. Hey, yeah. Biff, great guy. Serve his money. Ray Sports Almanac. <laughs> Make your money, Biff. Yeah, you could imagine that, can't you? I reckon you watched Stone Cold with Brian Bosworth. I don't know if either of you have seen that. What's that? I have ever seen that. It's it's an action film set in 99, yeah, called Stone Cold, before Steve Austin, obviously. And it's, I'll just say watch it. For anyone who hasn't seen it, watch it, both of you. But it's like, yeah, 1990, typical, like, he was an ex-football player, an American football player who they just cast in this, like, kind of biker gang that I, I want to say it takes over either the White House or something like that at the end. That's, that's it. Sorry, go on. No, no, that's, that's it. That's all <laughs> I'm going to give away on Stone Cold at the minute. No spoilers. I'm going to let people feed back into this oh. one. I was gonna say that's very like the Vince McMahon thing. It's very uh, like I said. I was watching. I've been watching the thick of it, like where the the main uh, 
the main guy where they literally sit him in front of a telly and make him watch EastEnders and the Bill and stuff just to keep him in touch with the common person. Someone <laughs> needs to do that with Vince. Sit him down, make him watch The Wire or something. That that could be relatively current for him. Make him watch some modern TV. Make him see the world. See what's out there. What's the Irish? That was when, uh, that was when Blair saw uh, Michelle from EastEnders in the Granite when him and Brown had that famous meeting, wasn't it? In <laughs> yes. 94? Yeah. Yeah. Michelle Fowler was there and Blair knew she was and Brown didn't apparently. So he showed that Blair was more in touch and he was the man to take the country forward, not Brown. Yeah. <laughs> I love how EastEnders decided the direction of a Labour Party in 1994. Great, man. <laughs> it's the way it should be, Joe. Uh, yeah, and, and saying that, I felt like we went from watching a stupid fucking horror film to watching EastEnders and a bad EastEnders story. I and mean, we had to watch Rusev, Lana, and Lashley. It was like shit version of Max and Stacy and their affair or something, or uh, Phil and Sharon back in the day. At least that was good. Yeah. It's just fucking awful. Like, yeah, that's got to be the worst feud of the year, right? It was. It's more family affairs than EastEnders, isn't it? Like, it's that level. Yeah, I saw it. With. Oh, right. That Channel 5 thing. Yeah, yeah when they launched. Saw... Yeah, when, when it was like, it was it really was special nothing. that we were going to have a fifth channel in the UK. I remember tuning on my TV and especially, and that was like one of the launch programs. Uh, yeah, that's the level of Acton Lawn has given up. Oh, if, did you see on the tail of the tape, right? They have one on, on the graphic, they got the categories are height, weight, major accolades, signature moves, and relationship status. <laughs> Which for Lou Rusev it says recently divorced, and for Bobby Lashley it says dating Lana. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it's. That's where we're at. It's all for the YouTube views, JP. That's what it is. Like those, we laugh, but those segments do like millions and millions of sexually you- repressed people because it's you know a guy who looks like Bobby Lashley and Lana intimating that they're having sex. Like, oh. That's all it is. And then you've got dead crowds during the match yeah. who don't seem interested or invested. No heat whatsoever. Tables just that will break. Yeah, it's yeah. like a 1995 pay-per-view crowd again. Yeah, yeah, or a mid-2000s ECW crowd with Bobby Lashley being in there. Like, I mean, the match itself, like, I was looking at the, I, I watched the, the pretty much the whole show, and this was genuine. I didn't know Jesus. much. I didn't know much about the show. I was in work. I was bored, JP. Uh, we haven't got much to do in the run-up to Christmas. And I thought, yeah. I'll just throw it on, put it on my phone, put it in, like, picture-in-picture mode so people can't see what I'm watching because I don't want people to know I'm watching this bullshit. And I thought, <laughs> I got two matches in, and the first two matches were great. And then I thought, oh, let's just find out from Grapple what else do I need to see from this show. And it's a fucking... I've never seen something so bad on Grapple. Lashley Rusev has got 1.4 stars average. Bray the Miz has got 1.2 star average. Corbin Reigns, 1.43. And that Viking Raiders, Raiders tag, 1.72. Like, I don't think I've seen anything quite as bad on Grapple. The main event's 2.4 stars as well. The Kabuki Warriors uh, <laughs> match. Like, my God, does that tell you the, the story of the show? And there are two great matches at the start of the show. But as soon as I saw those ratings, like, I was... I watched it, but I was flicking through just for the hilarious bits like Bray Wyatt's entrance and exit. And the uh, great dramatic performance by Lana in the Bobby Lashley match. I went 0.25 on Bray versus The Miz. I think some of the offense is some of the worst looking offense yeah. I've ever seen in a professional wrestler match ever. The Miz's knee strikes in the corner. Were, oh my God, they were beyond bad. Some of it looks so loose. The reversal into the uh, whatever Bray Wyatt's finishing move is called. Oh, it all looks so bad. He wasn't thinking straight. His daughter had been threatened. Yeah, but that's the oh, thing. Like, yeah. yeah. 
Bro, I mean, we hated the, the opening of the video, but, like, Bray Wyatt had, like, invaded his home and, like, caused all these problems for The Miz, and then he just he basically wrestled it like a match. He literally, like, on, on the end, like, when Bray Wyatt came out, he was just stood there in the ring, letting him do his entrance, letting him circle the ring. Didn't care. There's no real, there's no real feuds in WWE. There's no real anger in WWE. It's just another Miz match. At least you two got the return of uh, Brian Danielson, didn't you? Ah, oh, the real like, Brian Danielson. The real Brian Danielson. Could he yeah. have lost his beard and hair in like a match? <laughs> was on the line, possibly. We were saying this to each other. Like one of the things when there was t- when there were those stories about him coming out on the uh, on the Indies and doing like a whole series of matches. That one of the things he wanted to do was to work arena mexico i think and and do a hair versus hair match which obviously he would have absolutely loved but then for this it's like well they could have done something with it but i'm assuming is there any kind of explanation probably not if they went all in on brian would i mean would you two get into it in any way would you be watching just for that it's too late yeah. it's too mm. late i don't ever want to watch wwe properly again and i w- probably won't um it's way too late I'd, yeah. if the pay-per-view matches he was having were good yeah mm. but anything that's genuine and anything that can feel like like proper hot if you ask me when it comes to brian was dead when he came back and they decided not to push him mm. you know they fucked it and they fucked yeah. everything because they can't help themselves because the entire show is based around one man's own personal enjoyment and kicks. And he can't be bothered to watch any real movies. So he makes his own movies instead. <laughs> yeah. he, he must like really shit fit or liked really shit. I imagine he's into like John Wayne and John Wayne is shite. If you ask me <laughs> an overrated racist. There you go. Alpha males, John. That's, that's, that's the way for Vince. Like, but, and yeah. that's, that's the, honestly, I think that's that was, the way for the country. I mean, that was part of Corbin's problem. Corbin's not an alpha male gammon like alpha males and Push you the know button. when you've got a bloke who is like corbin um you know he's a dangerous bloke mate Look proper <laughs> dangerous. friends with hezbollah <laughs> so i yeah yeah um wants yeah. to close mi5 <laughs> what and i'm no great corbin fan <laughs> yes. and he was the wrong choice of leader for we, this election oh he definitely but, was yeah yeah, yeah. But, you know I, i'm a i am a corbin fan but I, I agree with that he was a bad choice but yeah he's a yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's just at the end of the day, he didn't he didn't watch the Queen's speech on a Christmas day, so that was the big problem for him. Um, Neither yeah. the sixty five million other people. <laughs> I've never watched it. Yeah, me neither. But on the um, Danielson point though, like JP, you asked, like, would I ever be interested? Like the the, the thing is, I watch Br- D- Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan now. Every time I see him, all I feel is a crushing sense of disappointment that he didn't leave, and a crushing sense mm. of. What the fuck were you thinking? Like he's still got what's yep. he got two years left on his contract. Like imagine, imagine how much fun he'd be having in New Japan, in AEW, like in even in like a Shikara or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's not the type of wrestler who cares. But like there he'd have a, probably done sixteen carat. Good get in for a York Hall show. And yeah. Even an NWA or someone like basically every cool. scenario works, doesn't it? Like he would, he would be so much better in any promotion you can name. Maybe with the minor exception of Ring of Honor, uh, which could mm-hmm. be a scary one if he decided to go back there. But other than that, and even then, you know, you get the Gresham match. You might get an Alex Shelley match. So you know, I think that that'd even be worth it too. Like every potential scenario outside of Brian Danielson being in WWE right now is better. And that's my problem. I can't enjoy him right now. 
the thought of even like a Brian Nick Aldis match at NWA, imagine mm. the presentation oh, of God, that. Yeah. be great. Yeah. And like you've got your obvious matches like your Ricardas, your Omegas, your Tanahashis that we all want to see. Mm. But yeah, just even little matches on a smaller scale, a smaller promotions, you get excited about when you think about them. Whereas Daniel Bryan versus Bray Wyatt again. Yeah, fucking hell. Fucking hell. Uh, yeah. Well, one thing I'd say, like, uh, as much shite as there was on this show, you know, the the Roman uh, Byron Corbin match, pff, just, yeah, a load of Dolph Ziggler led interference with, like, the revival turning up and no baby faces coming to save Roman Reigns. It was every WWE clusterfuck that, you, that you've ever seen. Uh, that won't mean anything getting come next week that was there was a lot of shite on the show but i mean i should say from a positive point of view there were good matches like if you if you get a chance i feel bad that i recommended you guys watch bray wyatt just because mainly i wanted to hmm. do joe's uh joe run it down the actual good matches you know uh humberto and andrade they had a good match on the pre-show new day and revival killed themselves in a tlc match for lord knows what reason not exactly a blood feud not exactly a match that, I, that you're probably ever going to remember but the all worked hard and took some nasty bumps for the sake of it being the TLC pay-per-view, basically. But, you know, that was that was very good. Got a 3.7 average on Grapple. Uh, and Alistair Black and Buddy Murphy was very good as well. 3.85 average on Grapple. Gave both of those uh, 3.75 stars myself. Uh, I did enjoy both of those matches. Uh, and that was, you know, I'm not a big Alistair Black guy, but getting to see, you know, him and him out there with Buddy Murphy doing maybe a style that wasn't... It didn't feel very WWE. There was, like the, there was a lot of... Because you know, of Black's kind of weird kick style kind of led into the, the finish in that one too. There were a lot of interesting spots in there that you don't see every week. A crowd that maybe didn't care that much because there's lots of work you need to do with a Buddy Murphy and Alistair Black's been hiding in his coffin for six months or whatever. But the actual two wrestlers in the ring, I did think, did delivered at least you know as much as you can deliver from a WWE point of view so if anybody's looking for a couple of gems from a grapple point of view you can kind of watch that first 45 minutes to an hour of the pay-per-view and then turn off yeah who still watches this shite on a, week, <laughs> on a weekly basis as well because well, watching That's... that I was like how does anyone properly watch this even Matthew does anyone get anymore. excited about this anymore like it's, it's, ah, it's just bleak yeah it's bad in it I can't, I can't imagine I don't think Apparently, there's still two million people who watch three-hour rows. I don't believe it. I feel like well, people are just leaving the tellies on. Uh, but yeah, doing weights during it. <laughs> <laughs> there's just one man that does that. Big Dave. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's so henchy. Three three hours of lifting weights. Melter's uh, Melter's got it right. He has. Well, well, he's got a uh, raw on one side and reruns of Friends in the other, or possibly extras. <laughs> Just well, Joey. Um, he just watches Joey on repeat. Just Joey on a loop. <laughs> I hope he's not watching WWE backstage though. Did you watch that last week? Oh, I did. You know, I was. So, I'm glad you've said that because yeah, CM Punk thought the uh, the dog food angle was all right. Apparently, yeah. Well, I didn't. I didn't even know about that angle. I mean, I saw them show a clip of it on there and was like, oh, whatever. Do you know what my biggest takeaway from it was, Ben? And I didn't watch the whole show. I watched YouTube clips I saw. Uh, that they don't cover any real news stories and people fail steroid tests and ACH calls them racist and it doesn't get mentioned <coughs> on the news show. Well, that, by news no, I knew that, was, I knew that was never going to happen. But it was obvious what this was going to be the whole time. But did, did you watch the Baron Corbin segment? With the interview with Punk? Yep. yep. I saw 
Baron Corbin and CM Punk sat next to each other, I was like, oh, I kind of want to watch this. Mm. My God, was it depressing. <laughs> the kind of wrestler that CM Punk was complaining about when he uh, was on his kind of big run in sort of 2011-12, talking about how, you know, these are crap wrestlers who WWE push because they're like their guys. Remember that picture CM Punk took with all the talent who had the belts at one point when it was all kind of like good workers from the indies and stuff? And Zack Ryder. And it was like, oh, that's kind of cool. There's a bit of change here. Baron Corbin's the kind of guy you would have chewed out for being utter shit. And he sat there next to him as if he's like, yeah, cool guy, man. It's like, nah, you're CM Punk. You've got no integrity. This is Baron Corbin. There was a point where Booker T said, hey, man, you got the best heat in WWE since Vicky Guerrero. I was like, what? <laughs> like, like, like deafening booze when she comes out and shouts, excuse me. Like, all I've ever seen from Baron Corbin is apathetic heat at best because people are fed up of seeing him. They mentioned the Kurt Angle match and how much heat he got off the Kurt Angle match. Yeah, and now we saw a kid in front of him. And I was like, I basically closed the laptop I was watching that on because I was so <laughs> fucking appalled that they gave Kurt Angle that as his last match and treated one of the greatest wrestlers of all time like he was an afterthought and wasn't worth their time and put Baron Corbin over him to get heat on him. And he got no heat from it, and they've gone with the narrative that he got heat from it. So they've got preset narratives that they've determined before matches, mm. and they just go with those narratives, even though they don't exist. I was like, what am I watching here? Can someone challenge this absolute bullshit? Then they were talking about how Baron Corbin's good in the ring? It's like, what? He was like, yeah, I started getting good and having good matches at one point. And the fans cheered me a bit, and I was like, I need to find a way of not of getting booze. I was like, you've never had a good fucking match that I've seen. I've never seen that an ounce of talent in your right fucking little finger, for God's sake. So I'm like, come on. It was awful, awful, awful television of the highest order. Possibly the worst segment I've seen on WWE TV and with the limited amount I've watched this year. And I've just watched that Bray Wyatt thing. And I think this might have been worse because none of it was in any way true. It was so bad. Oh, talking about why he was wearing a suit to the ring. Yeah, I got so much heat for wearing a suit. But did you? Like, you just look like a fucking tool, mate. Yeah. This, is, this is the Joe is Right podcast, because you know what heat he thinks he got? Nobeds on Twitter saying why you're wearing a suit. Like, that's the heat. <laughs> he Apparently, did bring up Twitter, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. He loves working the, uh, the heel on Twitter, doesn't he? Maybe that's where him and Punk became kindred spirits, because, yeah, Punk, he's just... I mean, he did say, didn't he, when he was on the first week that he'd never seen a Baron Corbin match. Like, you'd like to think at this point he's seen one. Um, but, like, it's funny because I, I saw when he... Because um, he reviewed Finn Balor and AJ. And, I, like, apparently it's the anniversary of that 3.75 star match. You know, that, really, that really, really... Probably the match of the year for WWE, give it, give it all given. But, like, Punk had said, oh, I'm watching this for for uh, for research... And he was doing like Instagram stories where he was shitting on the commentary uh, and having a go at the wrestlers for being marks and doing bullet club signs. Nothing like that on the show. Just sat there talking about how great Baron Corbin is. I'm very, I'm a very disappointed CM Punk mark at the moment. Yeah, he's he's just lost it now, isn't he? Yeah. That, no that, that was one of the few things he had. Credibility, kind of, was that credibility and that bit of edge. He's a smart. And that's gone. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh, but yeah, it's a shit show, that show. Like I say, you know, it is what it is. It's like, it's it's 
WWE pre-shows, isn't it? It's Booker T talking for five minutes to fill airtime and somehow managing to say nothing. It's the, you know, the Jerry Lawlers of the world manager. He does, he's got that same skill where he can just say things for five minutes and get away with it. I did kind of hope, yeah, when Punk got added that you might get something interesting. When Ryan Satin sold his soul and took a job with WWE, you'd think a, a newsman of his uh, upstanding abilities would want to report on real stories like Robert Roode and Primo Cologne getting failing drug tests and ACH calling the company racist and things like that. But nope. It is just a pre and post show, and it makes you very depressing viewing. Uh, yeah, the crown jewel stuff, the plane. Yeah. Punk made a joke about that, but other than that, yeah, you're not getting it. Yeah, they didn't bring any of that stuff up. Uh, what do you think of the Rude and Cole thing, by the way? Like Primo, I think I think the story is that because everyone was kind of trying to work out when the last time he was on telly was, and I think that's actually what he failed for not being there for his test. I think that's come out now. Bobby, <laughs> Bobby Rude, he's though, unlucky then. Well, but that's the thing though. Like if Bobby Rude actually failed for steroids, and I've heard Melter and Alvarez talk about this, how far do you have to go back for a wrestler to fail a drug test? And I'm not counting Page. Like it's years and years and years of the cleanest roster and sports i mean i'm not that bothered like i as far as steroid use and wrestling goes but it's just no no one else would get away with this it's only it's only wrestling so it's fine uh no one seems to care Do you know the worst thing about that wwe backstage as well sort of related <laughs> to this story i'm sat there looking at cm punk thinking i wish you were elsewhere and i cut to page and i'm thinking and i wish you were elsewhere <laughs> And she looks even filthier. I'll just say it. <laughs> JP comments. <laughs> I've got nothing to say to that. Do you, do you agree? Yeah. Well, I haven't seen backstage. I've no idea. Have you seen the tape? <laughs> Don't know what you're on about. <laughs> um, but the <laughs> I the drug test stuff. I'm going to go back onto that and pretend the last minute or so didn't happen. Um, <laughs> I couldn't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> sounds awful for it. I mean, we watched Bobby Lashley tonight. He's roided up to the gills. He's just a he's just a combination of uh, like comically oversized muscles at this point, masquerading as a human being. Mm. He's like Scott Steiner, WCW sort of level. Gorgeous. It's absolutely fucking insane. It's what it's it's mad. They still do their weed tax thing as well, don't they? Where they end up paying like what two grand or whatever. Oh, Matt Riddle, is he all right? I'd like to think he's worked that into his contract. What he's about, a canny bloke, is Matt. What about if they're in a state where it's legalised? Well, that's the whole thing, isn't it? Like, it's it, their their private drug testing policy says that you're not meant to. But they do, and then they apparently pay like... The is there not tax. some sort of, like, loophole if you are in a, if you get caught in a state nah. where it's legalised, or you live in a state where it's legalised or something? Who's going to raise it against them in a, in a, in a lawsuit? That's it. This... They're not going to do it. If they weren't going to do anything after Crown Jewel, mm. for God's sakes, then I don't have any faith in any of them <laughs> standing up to it. Does they this... just need to keep quiet and leave. <laughs> Does this rule you out, JP, from taking the Ryan Saturn role on backstage? Could you pay that those fines? Absolutely. I, I'd, uh, there'd be a point I'd lose <laughs> my temper if I did that backstage thing. Do you know what I've really opened to backstage long term? I really, really hope that after... The funeral of Jim Smallman on December the 30th. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, he wears his uh, humble brag t-shirt at the Progress of Release. Oh, my God. Three mates. That's so bad. Right. I want to know if that's 
great self-awareness or just progress tone deafness and you know buy it into progress shit oh. self-awareness kind of good on you but i don't think it is no is i think it? i think Scorbin said he designed it like see glenn's our mate if glenn designed it i believe it will be some self-awareness smallman genuinely it's like what is it like ten thousand matches 300 title changes 400 wrestlers three mates <laughs> just like you fucking dickheads oh he yeah. means everywhere of it it's earnest loves a humble brag soon i'm hoping that there's a new t-shirt release that says wwe backstage as well because jim makes it there as a presenter <laughs> just imagine the i'm a wwe stage i'm a tm punk we had a little chat about music earlier didn't we punk spoke about afi aren't they great yeah we're good mates well yeah just imagine it it would just make the show even funnier <laughs> and even more hilarious watching two guys we once kind of liked and had lots of credibility just selling their souls and sailing further and further down the line, you know? Yeah, possibly. Well, I was going to say, on the on the progress owner front, like you said there, like, yeah, Smallman was like the, the hero and everyone's mate and progress was built in his image. And I do feel like, you know, as he's on his way out over the last six months and Briley, although he was already the main guy behind progress, it's becoming more and more like see-through that, yeah, like behind, it's like the uh, the Wizard of Oz, isn't it? Behind all, you know, it's punk rock. It's it's really stylized, cool wrestling. Uh, but behind it all, there's just one man pulling the levers, and it's and it's John Briley who uh, went after Ben, our friend uh, Britt Rezawaydays on Twitter today for daring to post. I think he posted like a a phone video of like he does it when he goes to the shows of maybe ten seconds of match footage, and it happened to have a finish in it. And yeah, Briley behind the Progress account went straight at him. Uh, I think he, I think he posted like their "Please don't film this at home" copyright video at him, and I had a little go. It's like, mate, pick your battles. No one, no one in British wrestling or otherwise has drawn more people to shows or convinced more people to watch stuff than I would say Ben over these last twenty, well, almost twenty years. Like you, you don't need to have that fight. Like, no. is, is, is anybody? desperately i mean i'm sure there's people on the progress fan board but is there anybody like the, the show won't even be out for a week you know it's gonna be five to seven days before people can see it anyway is anybody literally now not gonna watch the show because they saw a 10 second video on twitter or more likely are there are lots more people who don't watch the shows because john Briley's a prick and progress in general is the most uncruel brand in progress well, it's fallen off a cliff, isn't it, in terms of the, 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 the brand itself? Um, I think the show's yeah, fine. Like, I think the show's like, okay. To, to say, like, I mean, like, he was going to shows when no one was going to shows. And you see some of the shows that he brings up, you know, the stuff that, like, kind of it's introduced us to a lot of wrestlers that have worked throughout the UK and people who've come back into the scene and you get a bit more of a historical perspective for it. The video thing, it's a nonsense. Like, in an era of, if it's not live streaming, then you're not going to stop spoilers coming out. Sorry, the genie is out of the bottle. And as long as you're not filming the entire match and putting it up, I can't see the point. I really can't. I can't see what, what it is it's holding into. If anything else, you should be using it as publicity. It's the kind of thing you, like, if there's special moments in a match, it's the kind of stuff you used to be you would just put up and that would be the thing that gets the reaction and that's what gets people invested but like Briley being Briley nah. that's just who he is yeah. he's been like that for fights years fights aren't worthwhile are they yeah. I mean ultimately but um, 
yeah, it's it's I don't know, it's 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 almost it's gonna be fascinating to see what happens from chapter one hundred going going forwards. I won't be at any. I can't <laughs> see myself going to any. I'll try and get to unboxing if I can, but yeah. outside of that, it's very hard to see me going because it isn't something that I mean, I saw the Thatcher T-shirt, and that was like you know, <laughs> you've got a they got a T-shirt that literally just says Thatcher in big letters in like the Thrasher font. Is I'm it- not sure I want to walk around this country at the moment wearing a T-shirt that says Thatcher in big big letters across <laughs> it. I'm not up for that. Seems a mistake, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, unless you Tim- think about, it. we've got the Tory modernisers there. They probably love a bit of Maggie, don't they? Uh, John Briley was all over Labour though, wasn't he? I was in the yeah, yeah, he was, he was, he was, he was probably being very new Labour. Yeah. Blair, he's Blair, right? He definitely feels like a What's, Blair. Right? Well, you know, no. 97 to 2001. Yeah. I've got no issue with that. I'm just saying. Don't need to take offence there, mate. I I'm completely not get, completely get it. I'm a Blair fan myself, but you know. <laughs> the pie over the Iraq war. Well, I believe, like, I, like again, I, I've only I spoke to Gareth briefly. I haven't had the chance to listen to Graps and Claps yet. I believe there were strong things on that. They had the show in Sheffield on Sunday. Apparently, Tim Thatcher, Cassius Ono was very good. Apparently, Karen O'Hara. Gareth Gareth gave it three stars on the Grapple app, though. That's not worth watching. Oh, I think Karen O'Hara, Ilya, was it that he rated? Maybe that's the Thatcher um, Hero, I saw Gareth gave three stars to on the Grapple app this evening. Oh, okay. There's Mr. Yeah. Grapple yourself then, yeah. Maybe that's not the highest recommendation. I heard other people raving about that one, though. And I heard people raving about uh, Cara Noir and Ilya. But I just heard, yeah, from Gareth and from other people, just the uh, the booking. They put Ginny over Miko Satamara. You know, you know Miko, the re- <laughs> wrestling legend that they only started booking like two months ago. And Ginny, you remember the one oh. who left? The one who left to go to a, to, for a big WWE contract. Yeah, she's back. And yeah, she's Progress Women's Champion. So yeah, that Miko run... That uh, just a women's title in in general this year been a been a great run. Jordan Grace, remember when she was champion? Yeah, it's not even worth wasting the airtime. Why does Progress exist? <laughs> I don't know. I don't well, know. It's the most successful it. company in the minute, isn't it? In the country, that's the state that we're in. But that's why that in NXT UK are the reasons that this isn't hot anymore mm. because people are going to Progress. I think out of habit and because there's a bit more visibility there. Whereas, mm. does anyone enjoy it anymore? Like, honestly? Is it going on the network when they're doing the new tiers? I mean, they've said this, oh, but it's yeah. been for 2020. It's... It so it's placeholder Briley... wrestling for content on a network. Yeah. yeah, it would explain why Briley's going after people posting Twitter clips, wouldn't it? Uh, and why they've gotten all of a sudden really strict about that type of thing. WXW yeah. did it, didn't they? Well, there you go. And the free network tiers already out, like you say. Uh, I think the the, the the higher level ones coming out soon. So that's probably probably the end result. Um, I believe 800 people went to the show, though. Like, I was, like I said, Gareth had a spare. I was tempted to go, but it's too close to Christmas. So, I mean, I couldn't afford it. Uh, mm. it. It wasn't worth a two-hour trip to Sheffield and I believe longer with uh, the state of fucking Northern Rail at the moment. Um, but, yeah, I was, like, I used to, like, Years gone by, you know, I used to love that Sheffield show they do in December. Bit of winter weather. I'd usually, you know, I went last, last time I went, met up with Martin. had a good few beers. It was a nice day out. Yeah, uh, this year they couldn't, uh, even though the card looks stronger than normal, they couldn't talk me into the building. Yeah, but- dead promotion, mate. No buzz. And it's the whole reason, if you ask, part of the reason the Brit rest just has no buzz on at the moment. And, yeah. There's kind of nothing exciting that's going on. 
and you get shite like that. What that Eddie Dennis versus David Starr match sounded like. So you know, that yeah, sounds like David Starr's done with them as well, which kind of takes another. Uh, is he? Uh, yeah, apparently he was waving goodbye on his way out and saying, "I'll miss you all." Uh, is that because of comments he made on a great podcast that James he did for Post, yes. which was amazing, by the way? I'd love that to be the reason. I'd love that Briley hit the roof because of uh, David Starr just talking openly uh, about progress booking and about wrestling and ge- WWE in general. Uh, yeah, he's never landed up on the network, is he? Maybe that's what it is. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, again, I'll probably. I mean, you know, if you want more thoughts on progress, there's going to be a, a BWE uh, best of Brit Res, so um, or maybe worst of Brit Res, or maybe just Brit Res <laughs> review coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. Maybe some familiar voices that you should check out. But you know, that was going on in Sheffield at the same time, Joe. You know, speaking of. Uh, well, I think, I think it'd be harsh to say speaking of dying promotions, but speaking of promotions that have had better days, you were uh, you were at Red Pro as well at the same time this was happening. Was that any good? Uh, well, I'd, I'd say promotion that isn't hot at mm. all, promotion that's quite stale. 500 people? In really? a worse place than progress? I mean, um, yeah, I think, they're not in, I think they're both not in a great place, but I think the situation's very different. I think... I think they're both in a bad place because of NXT UK, ultimately. I think that's the main reason that both of them are here because mm. progress are dictated by NXT UK and WWE's need to have a presence in a country where wrestling is doing reasonably well is, if you ask me, the main reason that Rev Pro is kind of in a bit of a weird state and is kind of not hot but still puts on reasonably good matches but at the same time, this was the smallest York Hall crowd for uh, the non. The TV tapings were smaller. To, um, yeah, smaller than they I reckon four hundred for that for the one for the free sports tapings. But I reckon there was between six to seven hundred for this, and there was a oh. lot of in York Hall. Um, That's better than I thought, though. Like I thought from the photos, it was going to be sub five hundred. That sounds healthier than I would have thought. No, I think there was about 600, hmm. maybe 650 at a push, I thought. Um, there were sections that were still full, but they were less full than I've ever seen them. But hmm. this is just a rough estimate looking out of the crowd, so I, I might be wrong. Um, but I've, I've been in there. The lowest attended York Hall show that I remember was one of my absolute favourites, which was the one that had the um, Marty against Colcabana. Um uh, Iron Man match, which is a really underrated match. Launch of the villain character. That was in, oh no, was it, was it, might have been Party Mike, can't remember. 2014. Mm. And that, there were about 500 there for that one. And there were more here than there were for that one. There was a lot more room at that one uh, than there was this time around. But at that point, you felt the promotion was going somewhere. And there was buzz mm. in the promotion. Remember, you had that um, Ricochet and Rich Swan against Swords of Essex tag match, which is still one of my favorite live matches I've ever seen. This, as a show, felt like a promotion that five years on from that show, five, six years on, is in a completely different place. And we're on the come down from the hot period of British wrestling. Mm. And it really did feel like a come down. It felt well and truly like we were past our peak. And yeah, there's nothing to be overly excited about. There was some good stuff on the show. I thought as a show, it was actually pretty solid. I thought there were matches that were enjoyable, but I didn't sense any kind of great comeback, any great need to definitely be at the next show. It didn't build anything for the next show. It was a show that it could have been a cockpit show if not for one match with New Japan talent. 
And it was the worst they've drawn with New Japan talent on the card, mm. which kind of says something about the drawing power of New Japan talent when you come back three weeks after the British Jacob show. And as much as I love Suzuki and love seeing him live, and he was great yesterday as well, uh, booking Minoru Suzuki so often means he's not always going to draw. And I don't think Evelyn Sonada would draw to anyone at no. this point in time. Um, and I, I'm not convinced they ever have been and ever will be if I'm honest with you. Um, so, yeah, as, as a card, um, there were matches that were good. Like, if I'm honest, pretty deadly, who I gave some absolute shite to last Shit. week. Mm. Yeah, um, really good. I thought they were good. I was impressed with them. Hey. It was kind of raw <laughs> indie talent, and good, like good in the ring. Yeah. Uh, Bailey was working his ass off in that match as well. And pretty deadly went over the Moonlight Express, but okay. really, actually, really fun opener. I yeah, thought. that's what they really are. Good little tag match. Yeah, like I say, don't get me wrong; they're not the saviors of Brit Res or anything. When I really liked them on that progress show, it was that that they were just a fun undercard tag team that were very, very likely to get snapped up by WWE and get all the joy pulled out of them. It seems like by them working for RevPro that the rumours of them signing for uh, NXT UK have uh, maybe been exaggerated a bit. I think maybe they're just doing odd, odd spots for them, odd shots for them. But I do think, yeah, they, they bring like a fresh <coughs> undercard heel kind of act. I could imagine them getting the shit kicked out of them by, uh, by Mike Bailey and Mal to be fun. These two would be absolutely mad if they signed for WWE anytime soon because they're going to get more indie bookings. And also, like, they're going to look take one look at these lads and they're going nowhere in WWE. They're going to end up like a couple of Tyler Breezes yeah. in WWE. That's the kind of vibe they've got about them. Like, they're a good team. They should carry on, grow a little bit. They look pretty young. Hmm. Yeah, I don't love the gimmick, but they're, they're perfectly good in the ring and it was a fun match. So, hmm. yeah, please don't sign for WWE anytime soon. That would be a massive mistake. <laughs> Unless you want to perform in front of 300 people in Hull. But, you know, fair enough. Uh, Shota Amino against Hikaleu. I honestly think that there's something contractually that requires uh, Hikaleu to wrestle in matches around, well, they go over 10 minutes. Because this is the second time in two weeks that I've seen a match over 10 minutes. And it was kind of boring. It was fine. Shota Amino's got potential. It looks like he's trying to rip off Tanahashi with his gimmick. So I don't know if he's going to go back as like some Tanahashi protege, possibly, because he looks exactly like him with his new hair, with his tights as well. That was they never go back with this, that gimmick though. No, do they, they don't. They, well, well, then trying stuff out, isn't it? I wish Jay White went back with his uh, with his gimmick. Would have meant he probably wouldn't be a main eventer right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that was all right. Giselle Shaw uh, and Shanna. Shanna picks up quite a nasty injury, like her arm went out of its socket or something here. Jesus. Really awkward match. Really awkward match. Little chemistry. Looked like a couple of, a couple of people at uh, the Performance Center putting a match on, trying out spots. Tessa Blanchard is a fucking genius, honestly. Mm. What she got out of Giselle Shaw last match was genuinely impressive. And I've liked and thought Shanna was all right in AEW, but this was just, just awkward. Just no chemistry. Didn't get over um lij against suzuki gun was actually really good fun i don't think i've ever enjoyed evil and sonada this much alive ever um but suzuki was on it suzuki was having a great time and zach was on top form and zach had a lot of anger to take out after thursday's result and he was quite (laughs) vocal about it 
So, yeah, he referred to the mic as a Tory at one point, but it didn't work. So I quite enjoyed that as well. Um, yeah, you know, with all our pu- underfunded public services, that don't really work anymore. You know, not fit for purpose. Did Sonata get the pin on him? Uh, Sonata got the pin on Zach. Yeah, no. Zach's reaction was great afterwards as well. Um, but yeah, that, it, it was a, probably the match of a night. It was a, I'd go okay. a solid kind of like four stars as a live match. The, all the great Suzuki spots live as well. Great sort of chop exchanges, a lot of intensity. It was really fun. Um, I wouldn't say it's worth going out your way to watch because you've seen this match before. Yeah. But it just pains me that New Japan have never gone all in on tag team wrestling and never gone all in on Suzuki and Zack. Because I think yeah, yeah. a year ago, you could have had a tag league with Suzuki and Zack, the Golden Lovers... You could have put um, Osprey and Okada in, possibly. You could have put Okada in Tanahashi when they decided to go with that. Uh, you could have put Evelyn Sonata in. You could have mm. had the Bucks if it was a year ago as well. You could have had an absolutely amazing tag league with eight to ten teams of high caliber and given those tag titles more purpose, whereas instead, and I don't mind Juice Robinson or Dave Finley, we're in a completely different sort of situation where the tag titles are still undercar belts. I yeah. wish they would book their belts like all Japan, but their belts during the classic mm. era because Zach really post G1, the way he was booked in G1 isn't a focus for new Japan this year. Suzuki seems like he's being phased down a little bit, put in a tag team for a bit because this team is special, like proper special. Mm. Mm. My yeah, brother referred to him as the Eddie Guerrero and Jericho tag team of his generation. Oh, yeah, when they were on yeah. Nitro for like, it was like three weeks, wasn't it? We didn't really get much matches out of it. But that snivelling heel kind of doing the similar gimmick to what, yeah, Eddie had done with the uh, the Gringos Locos gimmick in Mexico. Yeah, I, I could imagine them having that that, that kind of aesthetic uh, in a New Japan. I always think um, Jericho and Edge as well. They were tag team mm. for two weeks, I and mean, then Edge got injured and he got replaced with Big Show. Yeah. I always think Jericho and Edge would have been so good together as a team. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. How was um, Suzuki and Chapman? Like, I, believe I was going to ask Was that, that right yeah, after so- this, was it? Because I saw a quick clip on, on Twitter, and, you know, it's, it's only Curtis Chapman, so I'm not asked. I, you know, he got squashed, but I feel like that's what it, what was called for here. I think yeah, it was funny. Anything different? That's what the character. You know, that's what the character's been building to, and it wasn't a wasn't a bad thing to do with the Curtis Chapman, even if it wasn't an advertised match. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Um, maybe I think they could have gone about it in a slightly different way. I also think that um, they could have put Suzuki just against Chapman as an advertised match, and then it's done it a bit longer and had Chapman a bit more of an underdog, but they're trying to get off across his, you know, new uh, mad Kurt character, which got over. It worked. Suzuki was kind of hilarious and played along with it quite nicely. Then he beat down Dan McGee as well. He needs something. Um, yeah, so it was kind of fun for what it was, and Chapman got the character over in front of a bigger crowd. So, Fair play to Curtis Chapman. He's kind of found himself. He's made the most of his opportunities getting to do this. Mm. I don't think it's for me, and it's not something that I could watch every week, but he's got some talent, and he knows how to do comedy, and he knows how to play um, that kind of chicken shit heel as well. Um, and, it, yeah, it worked for what it was on the night. If I was booking the show, I think you've got to have a Zach Singles match on there um, rather than this tag match. And I think that's one of the reasons it probably drew it did because it's like, ah, oh, another one of these tag matches where there's yeah. nothing on the line and Zach's the champion and he's not defended his belt since... Is it March, you said? June. It was, I think it was against... Ah, um, oh, who was it? Benno was at the show in Manchester. I oh, can't. Right. Sonata. That was Sonata. Sonata, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, March was the last time he defended it in London, and that was in a cockpit show against James Mason. So I don't think there's been a York Hall title defence all year. That's no. Really bad, isn't it? Like, is, do you give anything to that? Because I saw a couple of people saying that, like this show. I, I mean, I think this show, the bad attendance, it's that. I think it's mainly just coming. Like, even I was like looking at thinking when I, I knew there was another York Hall show coming up. I know I said last time I wouldn't come again, but I thought, oh, out of interest, what date is it? And it was, you know, it's how long ago was it? Three weeks ago we were on Three the weeks York ago. Hall show. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. it's too soon. Like, that's the main thing, really. I've seen people put it down to kind of Red Pro's mainly maybe main event or haphazard booking this year maybe that's that's a factor but like i said three weeks ago they drew, they drew pretty well so you know i think you know. so i think there's two things as well i think one of the things is definitely the turnaround without doubt um i also think it's the lack of proper buzz and excitement in british wrestling at the moment so i think two years ago when there was huge buzz around brit rest three years ago even um people probably would it would have drawn better than this it would have drawn maybe 800 i think 900 still maybe not sold out but there was a you know enthusiasm people like really enthused to go to shows me and JP were two of those people. Mm. Whereas I think with this, I went out of habit because I always go to York Hall shows mm. and it's not, not it's easy travel for me to do. I'll have a day out in London as well, I suppose. Um, so that that's kind of why. But I think if there was a buzz still on Brit Rest generally, it would have drawn. Or I think if you had a match that was a draw, it would have drawn again. I think, say, if they had a big Zack singles magic, say if they did Zack Osprey, for example, yeah, it draws, um, and that's with a three-week turnaround. Okay, say if you put Osprey on the card against someone, I think it draws more than this, even with a quick mm. turnaround. So I think it's all about what they're delivering on the night. Uh, Evelyn Sonata aren't draws. People have seen Suzuki a lot of times. There was nothing unique on the card. Mm. There was nothing that was going to draw anyone in. I don't think Pack's a draw. I'm not convinced by that at all. I think if against the right opponent, he could be. I think if you did pack Zach, it probably would have drawn more. Mm. I think if you did pack Osprey too, it's probably going to sell out or at least come close to sell it out. But I think pack against a guy doesn't come close to that. I think if you did Osprey Oku, Osprey's name sells more tickets for this. Um, so I think it's a mixture of the turnaround, the general sort of apathy and lack of buzz around Brit rest, but also not having a marquee attraction as a main event, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, I think that's it. Like I said, I think, you know, last time they did fine enough. Maybe there was people like me coming out for for Osprey Red. Maybe that was a, you know, a big enough kind of, you know, big pack red. Pack, sorry, Pack Red. That was a big enough match to draw people in. Maybe that's an argument for Pack being a something of a draw. Uh, but yeah, that's it. There's no, there's no big dream match that you can kind of throw at the wall right now, or at least one that they. That was Who can they bring in for a dream? Well, match. they brought in bloody. Who did they bring in? Not DJZ, TJP. Like. You know, like that that's their idea of a big name to bring in right now. Like how was he? Uh, that was like the was that a um, highlight of the second half of the show? So it was okay. It was okay, but I missed the end because I was really hung over and had the kind of hangover shit. <laughs> and I had to run to the toilet and I was on the balcony and the men's toilet on the balcony has no lock. So I had to sneak into the ladies' toilet. Oh and, uh, <laughs> to smash the ladies' toilet with uh yeah, some heinous, heinous, uh, yeah, bowel movement. Oh, it wasn't God. good at all. Um, so I missed the end of that match as a result of that. I didn't know there were and toilets I... up there. The toilets upstairs? Did you know this, Jack? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. But I'm never normally up there, you yeah, know, unless it's like a main event or something. That toilet will never be the same again after that, <laughs> hopefully. 
And then I missed uh, the entrance of the Legion as well. So I was gutted I missed uh, the Great O'Kan coming out to hate breed. So, oh. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, TJP El Phantasmo was kind of there, what I saw of it. But my brother told me that it wasn't much cop, what I missed of it. I missed about five minutes of it. Keeping the belt um, on LP though, aren't they? That's interesting. Say that again. Keeping the belt on LP, the uh, the British Cruiserweight title. You would have thought they'd be mo- trying to move that off them sometime soon. He was going about how it's now a world cruiserweight title and it's no longer the Rev Pro cruiserweight title. So whatever that means, mm. okay. I don't know. I thought he was the ne- the next match that was being set was Oku. I to- it's probably got to be, but they didn't do yeah. anything after the match. There was also a scramble match, which was really good fun, actually. Um, and had some kind of good, fresh talent in. Um, Dan Maloney won that one, but there was Carlos Romo. Uh, Rev Pro trainee Kenneth Halfpenny, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Kyle Fletcher, Robbie X, and Ricky Knight Jr. In that Ricky Knight Jr. was really quite impressive. What is he like? Eighteen? Mm. Yeah, still somehow. Like, like I saw him first, like maybe four years ago. Like which is Jesus. scary how young he must have been. Like doing like he did the PCW show uh, against uh, his, his dad and his uncle, uh, and he was teaming <laughs> with some other night kid. I remember being really impressed with him then. So fuck me. His dad, was, his dad was well happy with the result Thursday. My <laughs> brother showed, showed me a tweet where Roy Knight had liked a tweet from Boris or something about getting a majority. I was like, what do you expect? Yeah, what do you expect at that point? Yeah. Like, you know, people get really mad when like their, when their favourite athlete or actor turns out to be a Tory or to be a Republican. Oh. Listen, there's a percentage of the population, as we found out last week, that are going to vote that way. And if you didn't expect yeah. Roy and Ricky Knight, if they're even allowed to vote, to, uh, to vote that way. Yeah. You know. I remember people getting angry, going like Ric Flair being a Republican. It's of course like, he is. Yeah. He's a white male from, from um, who lives in, in South Carolina. Like, yeah. What the fuck do you expect? <laughs> yeah. Stunned if he wasn't. Different breed down there, mate. I've been uh, been to Spartanburg, South Carolina before, and yeah, oh. interesting to say the least. Very conservative. When was that? Two thousand nine. Oh, uh, no, no, no. It was when I lived over there, and uh, I was with some people who were heavily tattooed, let's say, and wearing quite revealing clothing, and they were getting looks, <laughs> proving looks, a very judgmental looks. So yeah, it was quite, and everyone was dressed in their kind of like chaps and uh, Jesus. loafers and like oh, Sunday yeah. fest style clothes while being really nice and peaceful and probably lobbying for uh, you know abortion to be made illegal or something <laughs> yeah uh, yeah it was, it was a thoroughly fascinating place I've got to say and I'm glad that I visited um, but anyway how have I gone to this <laughs> um, uh, the Legion Rampage Brown and Great O'Khan had a match with the Kings of the North, which I just thought was silly. They had this all-around-the-arena brawl with a cockpit two weeks ago, which was, like, crazy and really good fun. I thought they'd do it again. They had a match, and it wasn't a very good match. Oh. And then it ended. That's it, not the way to present Kings of the North, nah, really, it was, no. it was silly. It was really silly. I didn't get why they did it. It was just there. So that was that. And then you had the main event, which was, was very good for what it was, where Michael Oku rolled pack up to win uh, or cradled him to win so pack lost a match but he lost it by being rolled up again on a reversal same way he lost to kenny omega a few weeks ago i think pack's booking his uh, finishes don't you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> protecting um, himself you know what yeah. enough wrestlers do to be fair yeah, yeah so with pack i think i think he's gone about the wrong way personally so i think with me i don't get excited for him because 
I'm always a bit wary as to what's going to happen. Mm. Whereas I think he would actually be as over if he was prepared to lose to a one-winged angel occasionally. I sort of get the Oku thing. Sort of get it, because Oku's mm. not at that level. Yeah. But he's losing to Ke- Michael Oku the same way he loses to Kenny Omega. To me, that shouldn't be happening. Kenny Omega should be allowed to beat Pac one, two, three in the middle with his finisher. And I don't, I don't think Pac is any more or less over as a result of being overly protective. In fact, it turned me off him for the longest time because there was a bad sting around his matches. And I think it's actually part of the reason why I don't actually think he's really a draw, to be honest with you. So it was a bit annoying, but the match was good. And Oku had got over as a real underdog in mm. front of the crowd as well. The crowd are into him. Um, it wasn't as good as their cockpit match. The cockpit match felt way more genuinely epic, mm-hmm. if anything. Lots of people might surprise that one, didn't it? Like, oh, yeah, it, was it doing really it. did. People were not expecting it at all. Whereas this was similar in places and had a lot of really good action. Oku was super motivated. And Pac is a great heel. He can really get this guy over. Um, he got a lot of heat. Um, he put a lot of sympathy on Oku at, p- at points of the match as well. And people were really into Oku winning, without a doubt. Mm. It's just a weird one because I'm watching this thinking, I like Michael Oku, he's good. But he's not ready to be like the next guy in British wrestling. He's not there. This is like trying to push Osprey in his first year. Mm. Think about where Osprey was in his first year. He's probably about where Michael Oku is now, let's mm. be honest. He's a talent like we've never seen before. And it just feels like they're over-pushing him because there's kind of no one else who's really ready. That's the issue, isn't it? And Oku isn't ready, but he's probably more ready than a few other guys. And it's just just a weird situation because he's still green in places. He's not complete in places. Mm -hmm. And it almost feels like he needs another year on that undercard. He shouldn't be main main event of your call show yet. But it kind of speaks to the depletion of talent and what we're having mm-hmm. to work with. And that's no disrespect to Oku no. because he's very good and he's managed to really get over this year mm. and take advantage of that kind of gap in the market, mm. if anything. But One of the few bright spots. Yeah. Really. yeah. yeah. And, and it's it, right to go with him as well, isn't it? Because what else are you going to do? But it's like... Agreed. Like, like, like yeah. I don't know if you spoke to Buckledy at the show, but like he did the tweet. He wasn't Buckledy. there. I didn't see him. Oh, was he not? Well, he did, he did a tweet saying that like... You know, Michael Oku was an option one. It wasn't a plan A. He was kind of like, I can't remember who the names are. I think he said like the likely like next big guy in Rev Pro plan A was probably like El Fantasmo. Yeah. A kid yeah. was probably plan B and then he got slammed by WWE. Mm-hmm. MK McKinnon was probably in the mix somewhere. And then yeah. I, think, I, think the way, I think the way he put it was like, and then if all else failed, cool, then I'd probably just go with Bodum. Like, and all of those options I are wish. gone. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, you get that deep down and then it's like, okay, maybe Oku then. Because uh, what else is there? And, and they should be commended for doing it. Like, it's the right thing to do. It's the right risk to take, isn't it? But it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And I, it feels to me like, I think Oku would be great. It's sort of in that cruiser division, having good solid matches and getting over slowly. But it, it, he's still over. He's still, he's still going to be all right. I just don't think he's the guy who they can come back with in a main event. Like, I don't think you can main event with... Um, El Fantasma and Oku for the Cruiserweight title. I just, I can't see how that would draw. Um, you need to do, if you're going to draw, you're going to have to do Osprey Oku. That's the match that draws. And it's a match I'd like to see, and I would absolutely be at that show if they do that, because if there's a Will Ospreay singles match anywhere that's within an hour of where I am, I'll be there. Yeah. 
that's fair. That might get me down to York Hall again, you know, talk about draws. If Osprey is legitimately doing more shows next year, and that's one of them, and they throw some other big matches in, maybe bring in Paul Robertson, get some more Swords of Essex tags, remember them earlier <laughs> this year? Uh, maybe that could get me out. Yeah. I'm bang up for that. <laughs> I'd also say as well, and I, I, I'm not quite sure if who made the suggestion, it's something we brought up a few times. They need to start thinking about their online presence. We talk a lot about online presence tonight, but getting those cockpit shows on YouTube and stuff like that and trying to generate some sort of a buzz with, with some of this undercard because they're doing the thing that, let's be honest, they've, they've been very late behind, which is trying to kind of build up a very raw undercard and mid-card. One thing I didn't add that they did as well, it's interesting you sort of mentioned them building up an online presence. They had a couple of video packages that was very different to what they usually do. So they had one of like Oku's year and his journey Mm. over the year, which was edited in a slightly different style to how they would usually edit a video package. So they had like a still image of him walking through London and then they had like a thought bubble with like the action of the year. It looked a little bit cheesy, but it was different. It kind of worked. And when he came out after the video package, he got, he got a massive cheer. Mm. So I think it did kind of help establish him on the night to get him over that little bit more mm. with the audience. So there was a bit of effort there. If I'm honest, I, I think Quilden's really burnt out. Um, mm. I get the impression that the last year and a half has just burned him. Um, because I think he was building something genuinely good. I don't know how far this ever could have gone. I think there was a ceiling on it, but I think the NXT UK thing has really just crushed him. I think for me, some Chris Roberts going was yeah. kind of a nail in the yeah. coffin for just how fucking mental this NXT UK lot and WWE kind of are in terms of wanting to take anyone they can possibly get. And he was kind of his confidant, his second guy. He would run shows when Quilden wasn't there. To me, that was a big sign. And yeah, I just wonder whether he's really, really burnt out and just finding this harder. And to be honest, just finding now that it's a job and he runs his business and booking wrestling shows is just a duty that he does as part of that business, if anything. Mm. That's, that's the feeling I got as well. Yeah, not a not a great scene right now going on in Brit Res, but, you know, there's some bright spots on the horizon, you know, Rev Pro going with Oku. ITV World of Sport looks like it might be coming back again. So there's that. Oh, what? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a. They've been doing tweet teaser videos on uh, on their Twitter. Hopefully, it's just like some kind of tour of Cambodia or like a a TV deal they've got in like Pakistan or something like that. And they're not. And Alex Shane hasn't got into his head that that's the thing that Brit Res needs. Uh, ITV wow. World of Sport to come back. But oh, I know. Thing is, the, the, the likes of. Uh, Shah Samuels and, and all them are all uh, liking the tweet and uh, maybe 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 hopeful more than anything that uh, that something might come of it. But you know, I'll really put the nail in the coffin, wouldn't it? <laughs> Ironically, again, that the final nail is put in by World of Sport on the Brit Rest scene. I think he's a bit tone deaf, Alex Shane, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He doesn't really know what's going on. Uh, yeah, he has his bubble with NGW and that is what it is, and it seems to do okay for him. And then live tours did well, but. I cannot see who, who wanted, having seen what it was they came out with. I mean, if they came out with something like, I don't know, when Rev Pro was on Freeview, Jesus, that would seem like, you know, high watershed stuff compared to that world of sport nonsense. I don't know, JP, I, I heard the rumour that you went to the uh, the premiere. Yeah. And you really enjoyed it. Like, I don't know. Like uh... I was pissed, as I've said <laughs> on many an occasion. And I think you made a comment the other day about was it after one of the Robert Peston interviews that we should have had a few more beers off him. 
Good have you? Good I mean, yeah, yeah. There was some shocking political content on ITV before the election. <laughs> Not the night of the election, where I got to say, ITV's uh, coverage was better than the BBC's. It was genuinely quite fresh. Ed Balls and George Osborne, as much as I hate him, are a great little duo. And Alan Johnson was kicking some fucking ass on there as well. That <laughs> yes. was great, killing John Landsman. But yeah, the week before, I'd seen some Robert Peston thing. And I turned to JP and was like, oh, I should have had a few more fucking Sierra Nevada pale ales that they were serving <laughs> up there that night on them. The <laughs> bastards. Should have got Doug Williams a few more drinks, you know. Uh, retired wrestler Doug Williams, who's definitely not just... Well, where's he going, JP? He's in Japan again, isn't he? They were like, no, 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 no at all. He's ah, going to Noah. That, 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 that Foul, motorbike... Fowler's tour of the world, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that motorbike's not running out of petrol anytime soon, Joe. Mate, the AIDS haven't kicked in yet, so, you know, he's all good. <laughs> a few more years, like Magic Johnson, maybe. <laughs> Fucking right. Yeah. right. Good on Doug. Uh, and also, you mentioned the ITV uh, coverage of the election. I feel like the only thing they could have made that better is if, if Will Cooling was on there as a panelist. But you know, it was very good. Didn't see Ken Clark anywhere that night, but yeah, really? I would like to have heard his thoughts. Oh, me too. Uh, but uh, anything else on Rev Projo, or uh, are we done with our Brit Res talk for the day? Um, I think they need to give Yorker a rest until at least March. To be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I mean, and they need to build up some feuds because coming out the show, there were no feuds. There was no heat or anything. I, they haven't got another cockpit show until February now. I think there's a Guildford show in January, but I don't know what's going to go on there. It just feels like the least interesting for me. And you know, I'm apparently called Rev Joe, so you know, <laughs> apparently I'm hardcore. Oh, we died last um, week. It's okay. Oh, good. I, I'm like the Rev Pros version of John Portsmouth Football Club. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? I can't remember his surname. With the dreads. He, the bloke who absolutely hums. Apparently absolutely stinks. He has a bookshop in Pompey as well, which apparently stinks. Um, yeah, apparently that's what I am to Rev Pro. And at the moment, I'm really not that interested. Wow. And I will be waiting for the next York Hall lineup to come out before I buy a ticket. Mm. So that says something. Well, on that note, you were at uh, Rev Pro, you were at your call. Uh, JP, I was about to say that we should talk about the show we both watched this weekend in NWA's Into the Fire, but a little birdie tells me that for some unknown reason, you watched a little-known show on Friday called Ring of Honor Final Battle. Uh, I'm not quite sure what that is, but apparently you watched it, and I'm desperate to hear your thoughts before we go any further. What are you doing, JP? Um, well, it's a it's a hot buzzworthy indie <laughs> promotion. You should watch it. Some of the some of the greatest independent workers in the world are there. Yeah, it's great. Did you hear voices last? If week the year was two thousand and six, <laughs> however, <laughs> thirteen years on. Uh, they, they did oh. like a, a rundown, didn't they, on the Voices of Wrestling podcast of like all the different main events of final battles, and then they got to this one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it was shy. It's I watched no, two no matches from. I fast, I, I, I skipped through bits. I was just like, first of all, I was intrigued to see how many people were there. Not many, but it was very dark in the arena. How many do you reckon? I would say in a 5,000-seat arena, possibly about 500. <sighs> and I wouldn't be surprised if a load of them are comps. Wow. That's how, like, off a cliff in terms of the attendance are. Because it was a proper arena. What city was it in? Baltimore. If you were in Baltimore and they offered you a ticket, would you go? No. If you had a choice of paying for a wire tour of Baltimore or going to Bridgewater. <laughs> wow. Well, I was about to say, it's normally cue for the wire reference. Hitting them corners in your Lolos, girl. I would be. Yeah. As people run away shouting 5-0. Taking your time to perfect the beat. Because <laughs> <laughs> you still got love for the streets. Yeah. <laughs> 
have to drain that uh, from Baltimore. It, it was, well, I tell you what, you'd sooner be knocking around on the corners waiting for Omar than watching a lot of this shite, I tell you, because <laughs> it was, I watched two matches, <laughs> neither were good. Only two? Only two. Why only two? I... I was doing other things at the time. I was like sort of doing general stuff. The first one <laughs> I sat down and watched was um, Bully Ray versus Mark Haskins. Then I was, I was curious to say, I was like, <laughs> Haskins, all right, here we go. And it started off with... When like, was the last time Mark Haskins was good? Well, yeah. I mean, there part of the saddest thing is there's no one there I think, for I think, him to be able to work with. I'm glad he's over there. I'm glad in the sense that he's not here. Yeah, yeah. Because if he was I, here, I, then I think yeah. he would add something at least to a lot of cars that having been away for, mm. for quite a bit of time. I think there's a night. I mean, there's an element with him where I don't feel the same way about not seeing Jimmy Habrock where I'm like, good. Yeah. I think you're right in AEW. Yeah, I think he's, I think, you know, he said the last time he's good. I think he's always good. He just hasn't got a level above good and he's been doing the same good for mm. like six years yeah fair yeah. point fair point yeah sorry jp oh well i mean bully ray didn't make the situation better <laughs> it was a lot of it was a, like he just ran at him with like a, a ply board with barbed wire on it and just fucked it on him at the very start of the match I was oh jesus this is kicking off and he beat down on him for ages vicky haskins was there she got involved to be happy here that benno I think she, uh, she's a, she's a cheese grater on his bollocks. Well, she certainly punched him because at one point he just screamed out, oh my dick. Was that on Air and, fans or, oh, sorry, carry on. It wasn't anything like that. It was, it was, it was a bit of a kicking. It wasn't particularly great. Um, Haskins won, but Bully Reyes seemed to have had this exact same feud with yeah. several different people at various times. It seemed to be exactly the same as Flip Gordon, where it's yeah. the same shtick again and again. And he just repeats it, and it's it's awful. Mm. And in the other match, I watched. <laughs> so I missed all of the good, any so good you did, stuff. You didn't watch on. your boy Gresh against Alex Shelley. I feel like like that's a JP match, is that not? That was no, it was Alex Shelley Colt Cabana. Oh, was it? It was it was Gresham and Lethal versus the Briscoes. Oh, it was. I, I must confess, I didn't concentrate enough on it. It seemed like it was, it was decent stuff, what but I wasn't engaged. Time? At that point, I was doing my stuff, my uni project. Okay. So I was like on on a on a piece of software called Unity, making a, a 3D interactive environment. There wow. you go. It's not an exciting story, but then I st- we- <laughs> the problem was I was on a good roll, and then PCO Roosh came on. Now, Roosh has presence. Weirdly enough, the perfect place for him would be WWE. That would be where he would would. would be set up entirely for him because he's not really a great worker but he's very charismatic mm. and him and the idea of him and a uh, like him and um andrade together would be something i think they could be genuinely interesting if they did that but instead here it it's just the worst time for him to have become champion because it makes him it's, it does sort of reflect on him but he's also he's, he's not a great worker that's the truth of the matter. He's always got by in Mexico and based primarily on his charisma. Even when he was a um, a, a, a face who everyone loved to boo until him sort of embracing that with the loss in Ingobernables stuff. But this match against the PCO, I mean, it was, it was fucking dire. Like, desperately dire. I think it went one star, and that's possibly being overly generous because they slammed themselves about. They tried this PCO package at the start, which the whole time they've never portrayed this man as a human being. And now all of a sudden there's a little bit of, 
He's a 50-year-old. They did a combination of he's a 50-year-old man going for his first ever world title with he was resurrected by this bloke called Destro. Mm. And, ah, oh, this match, it was not only was it PCO doing the usual, trying to kill himself by taking bumps that he just shouldn't be taking. Because at times he seems like he's virtually immobile. Like he like struggles to walk. Mm. There's a point where they thought he died. And then that bloke Destro came out to bring <laughs> back to life. And I'm watching this going, Ring of Honor, right? This is this is Ring of Honor. This is where it is. And at times I've thought, you know, you want to see them go. But I'll always go back to what Joe Joe said at his favorite show, um, the G1 Supercard, where, yeah, he just said Ring of Honor should be allowed to die and you just make a really good documentary because you've signed everyone there anyway who can do, who, who mm. can do talking head stuff, yeah. including obviously Gabe. So do that instead. It's it's a fucking shit show. It was awful. There was a car with some... There was a mad bump that Roosh did like a belly-to-belly suplex. There, car? PCO. there was a car there, and it's smoke coming out of it. What sort of car are we talking? Like a kind of... Like a limo. All right. Yeah. And it was not... But not quite reminds a limo. me of Bruce Willis at the beginning of Die Hard. In a limo with Argyle. That's better than thought of a limo. I wish. (laughs) Exactly. I'd sooner have spent time with Argyle in the basement of the Nakatomi This this match sounds more more like the shit show that is Die Hard 2, if anything. Yes. Rather than Die Hard 1. It really is. Die Hard 1 is Ring of Honor between like 2004 and 2007, if you ask me. Mm. Yeah. Sorry. Who's the villain in Die Hard 2? There isn't a villain. There's no Hans Gruber figure. And there's no Al Powell. Diet of a Vengeance, you bring in Jeremy Irons as mm. Simon Gruber, and you bring in Samuel L. Jackson as Zeus to replace Al Pal. You know, the formula, the character set works. Die R2 is a shit show, and it's just all over the place. Yeah. Terrible film. Those bits on the plane, just boring. It's the only good bit, if you ask me, is some of McLean's one-liners. A bit about, all I wanted was an ordinary Christmas. A little eggnog, a little turkey. That, that bit's quite good, but what, back to ring of honor sorry <laughs> well it's i mean talking about die hard is watch die hard don't watch this yeah, watch well, die hard it's christmas watch that don't you don't, don't need to watch it like as fucking usual i without anyone asking me decide yeah i'm masochist i'll be the <laughs> in the coal mine and watch this bollocks it's awful i think you and i would em- get on it's an embarrassment <laughs> as a as a company i think i would do as well i don't think me and pco would get you would on. get out of some run dmc but a christmas at hollis yeah exactly yeah. the best christmas um, and if this if that's what his christmases are like he has to wonder what new year's i've ruined the line fuck it his line <laughs> at the end of it oh, yeah, bollocks yeah. to it i got angry it, about ring of honor instead it is christmas music man right <laughs> <laughs> christmas and hollis is a great tune it is um but yeah, the uh, yeah shit show, mate. <laughs> uh, company just looks like he's going to the fucking dogs. The end. Don't watch it. I think it's gone to the dogs. Yeah. I'd rather go to the dogs. Pompey dogs when they're back in the day. You went to Wolfhamstow dogs, did. didn't you? I've been a dog racing a few <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah, as you, as the voice would obviously tell you. Were you there? As a, were you there as a punter or were you like the man taking the bet? I was I was there as a, was there I was there as a punter. What are the dog owners? No, my yeah, my cool. cousin owns a dog in Ireland. He owns, he owns a couple of greyhounds. The one who's a dairy farmer. Okay, in Waterford. There's a, I doubt he's listening. Yeah, right, little run of this one. <laughs> 
He's the, he's the from Watford, mate. You would never talk like that. I'm talking about I'm oh, doing me talking about his dogs. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so no but recommendation. It was better though. The one thing that we watched though, Benno. Oh, go on. You watched in company. Were you watching it with a few people? Oh yeah, I went round to my mate Matt's to watch uh, the NWA preview. Is that what we're on to? It's the, the business. Fire. I've lost track of this show, to be honest, JP. Uh, but yeah, let's talk oh. that next. Why not? Uh, yeah. yeah, why not? I did. We had our, uh, I, I feel like the buzz for NWA is kind of subsided. I remember, I think a lot of the blame's being laid at the feet of, you know, the Cornet thing, mm. the fact that the TV kind of went off the rails in the last three weeks, partly because of the Cornet thing, partly because mm. they had that weird clip show, and then partly because they had that weird, almost obituary for uh, yeah, I was for gonna Cornet. Say. They cut the, the match that made James Storm the number one contender. A lot of weird things happened around the TV, but I do think it was coming anyway. Like, I remember week one kind of saying, like, I really enjoyed it. But my question was, why would anybody not watch this and just watch some Georgia wrestling? You know what I mean? It was like the amount yeah. of times on YouTube when I've watched an episode of NWA Power and then it just it plays like a random episode of Georgia and it's just it's the same it it it's it's the same it's it's what it is and with better wrestlers. So why you know does this thing have legs? Was kind of my question from the start. And I do feel like the the blooms off the rose. Like I didn't. I was watching this pay-per-view mm. with only half an eye on Twitter. I wasn't even tweeting myself, to be honest, but I didn't really see any kind of buzz, really. The odd person seemed to be watching it, but it, it definitely wasn't the marquee event that I, I felt like. I mean, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I got plenty of good mm. to say about it, but it didn't feel as big an event. It almost felt like, you know, me and my mates got together to, to complete it. You know what I mean? We've, we've we've done the whole series, so we've got to we've got to stick with it and watch the paper. I'm glad we did because I had a good time watching it. But it does feel you had a little bit like remember that buzz in week one and week two, and it was doing really good YouTube numbers. I do feel like those uh, those days are way behind us. You made it sound like it's kind of like Lucha Underground, yeah, when yeah, they sure. would have those mad it's kind new, of final shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's fresh. It's a it's a new it's a new kind of presentation of wrestling and then by week seven everyone's used to it again uh and it's not quite as much of a buzz down to the fact that yeah like you say everyone tunes back in for for all summer lucha at the end of the season yeah that's it i mean i have to say i mean joe didn't see it but um i enjoyed it and it was probably as i've mentioned i had to do a i've had to do a lot of uni work this weekend so i had this on Mm. like while it was there because i was like i'm gonna watch this and in a kind of ambient way, mm. you know, not talking like Boards of Canada style ambient way. Um, yeah, NWA power. Do you know what it is? It's a bit like Boards of Canada. You can have it on the background. It's fine. <laughs> well, there's our outro theme, JP. I'm just going to pick my favourite Boards of Canada song. You know? I don't know. If, I feel we should do Christmas at Hot Christmas. Ah, and Hot. I suppose so. Yeah, lead into that could be the intro. Oh, we've got an intro, oh. Joe. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. To cheer everyone up. <laughs> People have already like, heard it. Why are we pretending like we're teasing it? <laughs> oh, that's right, isn't it? <laughs> Shit. That's how editing works. Yeah. Oh, this has gone off the rails. Don't worry, everyone. Be happy. Um, <laughs> what were we saying? Uh, NWA Power. <laughs> or NWA Into the Fire, sorry. Yes, it was. A... <laughs> Which used emojis yes. for its publicity. Fair play of them. The, uh, it's a great tune, isn't it? Is it Dokken? Dokken, yeah. Oh, what a song. What, we've used that one before. We can't use it again, sadly. But maybe, you know. But yeah, use I, every week, I think so. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd happily do it. But yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. It was like a 
to be honest, it was just an easy watch. It was just, uh, what was it, two and a half hours, the pay-per-view? Yeah. by, you weren't getting world beaters here. Like, NWA isn't on grapple for, I think, good reason. I think Gareth, I don't think he, he, he's set in stone with it, but I think it like... I think put re- the pay-per-views up, possibly, maybe rather than the talk, TV show. Yeah, maybe we could talk him into putting the pay-per-views up. But the reason the TV show's not in it is because, like, you know, as well as the fact that not a huge amount of people are watching it, you're not going to give any of these matches over three stars on the TV. You know what I mean? It's nah. not that kind of show. And it doesn't need to be that type of show. It's such a it's a fun watch. And that's what the pay-per-view was, wasn't it? Like, maybe the highest I go from a rating point of view is the main event, which I probably, even then, I'd give it three and a half. And it was a very yeah. enjoyable three and a half. Like, it goes to, like, sometimes, like, a match just needs to be, a, you know, a fun three-star match. That's kind of where, like, the, the whole star rating system falls apart because uh, it's like a, it's like a great three-star, like, comedy film, isn't it? It's like, yeah. it's just, it is it is what it needs to be. And that's what NWA is. It, it doesn't need to be, like, the big work rate promotion. I don't need Eli Drake and Ken Anderson to be out there, you know, trying to... And to be fair to Eli Drake, you know, he had his working boots on, but they're not going to be killing themselves trying to have a five-star match. Plus, Ken Anderson's in there, and he can he could barely get down those stairs, never mind, have a five-star match. Yeah. But, you know, they're out there to, you know, tell the story of the feud. It was, like, stage one of their feuds. You know, they had a, they had a fun match, the kind of mirror images of each other with Eli Drake being the younger one. They troll the fun story in the match using kind of that dynamic and with Eli Drake, you know, working really hard the match. You had a nice angle with them, you know, towards the end of the show to build mm. to probably a some kind of plunder match on the next pay-per-view. That's what this show is built around. It's that, it's interviews, it's big characters. And if you're if you're into the YouTube series going into the pay-per-view, you know, this was just really more of the same, just with maybe mm. a little bit more time and only a little bit and just, a, you know, a little bit more emphasis on, you know, matches that have in some ways been built to. But again, not even, it wasn't even like it was their WrestleMania. They were big matches, but they've got bigger matches down the line to build to too. I think so. I mean, I think on fight it was going for what, 12? Tw- oh no, it was like quite expensive, 12, you know, 25. But it was, was it 25? Yeah, it was 20, oh. 20 running up into the pay-per-view and then 25 the day of. Uh, but I had literally 25, no, I had 29 uh, fight books left in my account, so I used my last 25 uh, to get it. Quite sad about that, that they're, they're finally all gone. I'll be topping them up mania season. Uh, but yeah, it was quite expensive. Mm. But at the same time, you know, they have got, you know, they're giving you 10 weeks of TV free. They're going to make the money somewhere. And yeah. this is a situation where I would probably say, you know, they've got like a, a small hardcore base. And I think, you know, unlike the WWE Network where everyone gets it for nine ninety nine, you want to make the the most money out of your small hardcore base. So from like a pure business point of view, I do get it. One of the things I was following was the amount of view. And I was thinking about this when watching the show, because thinking this is basically like a TV show. <clears throat> and, it, and the wise thing they did is there was only two matches that went over 10 minutes. Hmm. And they were the last two. How long was this about a three falls? Uh, it was probably about, it was just over, what, 20-odd minutes? Mm, okay. yeah. But it wasn't like, because there was stuff that was going on afterwards in terms yeah, of, yeah. like, interview stuff. So they, 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 like, they don't, as much fat as you would imagine a show like this has, when you look at it in terms of a roster, there really isn't that much, and they do work at a pace. A couple of aesthetic differences as well. Where they had music this time for people, and they came down through the crowd, and that crowd's hot. Mm. It looks like a fun place to go and watch wrestling, to be honest with you. And the layout and the dynamic of the studio is good. I thought Stu Bennett did okay. He seemed really up for it. Oh, our mate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was he was on it. He did well. Um, but from a business perspective, 
like I was thinking, okay, what they're going to try and do is they had about 400,000 or so watch the opening week on YouTube. And I think in the end, it ended up down around the hundreds, 150,000 mark, I think in general. And I think their logic is if we can get 10,000 people Mm. to buy these pay-per-views, I know it's a hell of a lot, but you wonder if the people who are really committed to it, are they actually going to be willing to invest in it? So I'm going to be intrigued because they've got a pay-per-view next month. Is this something that's going to work viably? Um, possibly. It's it's not something I don't think you can be able to buy every single month. But do you know what? <clears throat> Is that it, Marty Aldis? Uh, I don't know if they're going to go with that straight away. I think it's going to be Aldis versus Great Muta. Is because they teased something with it. Yep. They had teased something with it in... Was it in one of the... Um, NWA power shows towards the end. No, it there's was some, some sort of confrontation. Oh, WrestleCade, there's yeah, some sort of confrontation. That was it. I think that'll be separate because I mean that was the big story coming out of the show was was Marty kind of coming out at the end and doing mm. the showdown with Aldous, and obviously he'd done that match before on that NWA slash uh, Ring of Honor show when they did the Crockett. Was it the Crockett Cup they did? Yeah, uh, that was a pretty yeah. good match. Yeah, you can go back to that. And that was like that's a big get for them, you know, doing that and having Marty kind of come out at a time where you know no one really knows what his next move's gonna. be be like it, it does uh, it does scream of like you know when you know when someone's in between contracts and they turn up on ecw tv that kind of yeah thing, that's kind of what it felt like uh, i think that's kind of cool that they've like nice little get and the thing is like with a marty like they brought him in and you know at the end of the day he's gonna do one day worth of tv tapings and he's gonna do one pay-per-view that's two days work and he's gonna be prominent on nwa's tv for the next two months like it's a nice little stopgap for him isn't it like while yeah while we're still determining where he goes next and to be brutally honest, I think Marty, that Ring of Honor, that that last few months in particular, mm. like he's needed to get out of there. And I can imagine he's cooled off a lot. And I'm not saying that he's going to be generating sort of big buzz on this, mm. but having watched Summer Final Battle and having watched this, this is a fucking damn sight better than what Ring of Honor is at the minute. And <clears> he's <throat> better off out of there. And this is, like you say, it's a nice placeholder. Yeah. And I'll watch. Must do MLW as well. Why not? I haven't. Ah, nah. That's I, for shits and giggles. Ah, nah. I haven't watched. Uh, sorry, I know you love MLW. I do. Ah, irrelevant. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> as much as uh, what was I going to say? I haven't watched NWA Power since like week five. I think life just got busier around that point i think an election was cool and i became obsessed with it <laughs> <laughs> so i haven't seen in a few weeks but knowing that marty will be in a run of tapings that'll get me back into watching it because i imagine he'll cut good promos i really liked the first few did with Aldis as well so yeah this will get me back in straight away and it's going to be interesting because i wonder if he's going to just freelance for a few months mm-hmm. to try and build his rep up a little bit more um and he's a self-made man in many ways i think he got himself over in wrestling he invested himself in the biggest way possible smart guy and is he going to get himself over again before he makes his big move i think when he turns up in AEW, which has got to be it's going to be hot no matter what because Mm. of the association with the elite and the the sort of fan base that exists there but do you think he might here's a crazy idea wrestle a match in the united kingdom at some point (laughs) if he does york hall it sells out Him him and osprey Go back oh, to that. Fuck it out. Oh, I'd, I'd I'd obviously be there, and it would draw. There are other matches you could do, but yeah, obviously I'd be there for a Marty Osprey match. It would be yeah, great. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, has Marty ever wrestled David Starr? Mm, not not in like modern 
you know, maybe they cross paths somewhere, but not like the modern incarnation of Scale and Star, I would think. I don't think that's I right. always thought his comeback match should have been, rather than Osprey against Star, it should have been Marty against Star, because he's more aligned with Quilden, like best man at his wedding and stuff. But I'd like to see Marty and Star on a big occasion, on a big indie show. I think that's a, sh- a match that would be a real draw, a real attraction. I think the promos would be really good building up as well. It feels like a natural feud, a natural match in many ways. And you've got two self-made guys there who took a gamble on themselves, believed in themselves, put the work in and got over as a result of it. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, I'm well up for this now. Like we'll go back to NWA in a minute, but fantasy booking Osprey comes out on a your call show after wrestling, whoever, calls out the one man who he wants to come back to the UK, calls out Marty. They do that match. And then you can have Marty do like, like a mini feud with, with some interesting people like that. You know, you could do a David Starr. You could bring David Starr back in that way. Oh, I want to see a that. Six, a six-month run uh, where he does indies and does UK a little bit more mm-hmm. to just re- rebuild his reputation yeah. amongst the hardcores on social media as well. A little bit more visibility before he goes to... Lose that ring of honour taint, frankly, yeah, from yeah, the yeah. terrible booking decision from G1 Supercar. <laughs> before he goes to AEW, I think would do him the world of good. I don't think he's in a bad position, generally, mm-hmm. but I'd be bang up for that. And he'd be a draw over it, and he'd be something that's reasonably hot during a period where Britrest desperately needs something. Mm. Could Marty Scale be the saviour of Britrest for six months? There you go. <laughs> and he's going to be the saviour of NWA for two days. So, you know, there you go. That's the power of Marty Scale. Um, but yeah, like, to go back to the show, like, he, that was obviously the big headline coming out. Mm. But I tell you what, the big headline for me, JP, and I don't know if you felt the same. I mean, it, it's more of the same, really, but Nick Aldis, like, for me, oh. he is the best tweener I think there's ever been in wrestling. Like, if people haven't seen this pay-per-view, obviously, in the build to it, he's been doing a lot of tweener stuff, you know, like, when he interacts with Tim Storm, you wonder whether he's trying to get into, you know, Tim Storm's head, you'll say certain heelish things on promos, but then bring the crowd right back in, he'll, in matches, kind of flip between the two as well. It's like the most un-NWA thing of all time, but it works so well, because he works as, like, this prestigious champion who's got a bit of an ego on him, but he's proud of the company, so he's kind of this actually quite complex character. Like, he was, like, this was another, like, great night for that with him, I thought. He was absolutely brilliant in kind of, you know, it was the two or three out of three falls match with James Storm. You know, in no other scenario am I going to be excited about Nick Aldis versus James Storm. But I thought yep. what they did with the... thought that several times <laughs> while watching this. Oh, come on. You're a big James Storm from from the mid-2000s. Um, more than that. most. Like, <laughs> but... Beer drinking, <laughs> deer skinning, <laughs> creek, creek swimming. swimming. Johnny Cash, listen! Sorry. <laughs> but, like, I... I I was like the whole stuff with like them switching refs from uh, from Hebner Junior to Tim Storm being the ref, and then the mystery about you know which of the two of them would be the ref for the third fall. And I love the little story they told with you know with Tim Storm having to count the three because of the ref bump, but also potentially did he look the other way that Nick Aldis uh, pulled her uh, pulled her. Uh, a cover off the uh, the turnbuckle. That was uh, it, yeah. And knocked James Storm out and then got the submission win. You do actually see, and I don't know that it was just Tim Storm just being, you know, he's not a referee, is he, professionally, kicking the uh, the turnbuckle away. I, wouldn't, I wondered whether that was maybe part of the story. But it's intriguing, isn't it? Like, I'm excited. What's happening there? Is there, a, is there like, a conspiracy I- there? James Storm could come out on TV and shout about a conspiracy. We could do more, you know, fun Nick Aldis, Tim Storm segments. We had a, uh, in the, uh, in 
in the den in Matty's house, we had a conversation about whether Tim Storm could come out and be finally revealed to be James Storm's dad. Tim and Jim Storm. That could be a whole story. There's loads of ways you can go. Mama Storm, Storm's <laughs> Bring baby Storm grandson. In, Lance Storm in. Yeah. <laughs> Quiet Storm from Ring of Honor. Quiet Storm, yeah. Between those tours of now on. But in all seriousness, like, I'm genuinely in. Like, that's a match I wouldn't have been excited for in any other scenario, but I was excited for it. I was with it for all three falls, and I'm also yeah. with it for what the, the fallout is. And all, most, in fact, all of that, I don't think much of it's down to James Storm. It's down to Nick Aldous and to Tim Storm and the amount of the great work they do on this show. Yeah, they do. I mean, he, it's just in terms of the, it's it's the, the sheer investment he has in the character and in the belt as well, because that's his whole big thing. When you watch those promos, his whole thing is that title. He's putting over the title much more than anything else. And it's as a result, because of the level of seriousness that you're just not getting in other promotions, like C. Wyatt Bray, um, for example, where you can't invest in the championship in any way, shape, or form means means fuck all. This really means something. Mm. So, and this is the, one of the overall kind of things I enjoy about it. And Aldis is is primarily it. You mentioned about the complexity. It's it's still like you know it's easy to think of this as sort of straightforward heels and faces in a kind of you know a homage to Georgia Championship Wrestling. Like you say with Tim Storm, it's a lot more complex than that. Like even the idea of like people like Eli Drake kind of behaves like a heel, hmm. but at the same time he gets over because he's him. And I think, like I say again, this crowd, this crowd make all of it seem so hot as well. Hmm. And the kind of heel stuff that all this did in the match, it was subtle. It wasn't overkill. It wasn't like he did something obvious. You know, and we spoke about the MJF turn and as much as the crowd kind of loved it, it was way too early for that. They're not doing this here with Tim Storm. They're like letting this whole thing play out. Tim Storm must be, it's going to sound wild to say, but from someone who I didn't know anything about two years ago, like he comes out, he delivers a good promo and I'm not saying his matches are the greatest, but I've seen a fucking lot worse. Again, mm. see Wyatt Bray. But, <laughs> like, with this, it's... He's an actor, isn't I, he? He is. He, 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 you believe him in everything he says. He's a yeah. world-class actor when it comes to promos and it comes to making you feel for a wrestler who, you say, who's bang average in ring, really, and on, on the older side. Yeah, there's that level of investment in him, and I think it's because of that mm. and because of the presentation of him. There is. I find that my, I enjoy his matches more, though, because of the character. So when yeah. I've watched his matches in recent times, I've got more into them because there's something to invest in because the character stuff in the match is genuinely good. Mm. It's also the fact he's older, so you're not expecting him to have the bang-up because that kind of suits the character. I like the different style, though. It's, yes. It's, it's like, think about the type of wrestling we watch. Mm. And I like that kind of throwback kind of mm. uh, more patient style that he actually wrestles to some mm. extent because I don't see it that much anymore. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it, I think that's the story of a lot of the matches on this show in yeah. terms of a lot of them, none of them are, are overblown. So even the stuff that's bad doesn't last that long. Basically the women's stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that yeah. was that was terrible. I mean, the first match, the Thunder Rosa-Tasha Steels match was just more or less a squash. Yeah, 4-16 on cage match. Didn't outstay its welcome. I thought that Alison KODV and... Was it Mar Marty Bell and, Mal and Molina? That went seven minutes. That that was seven minutes too long for me. 
But I don't mm. know, maybe you were just happy to see OD, uh, TNA watching ODB. No, no. When she came out, I was like, of course. Of <laughs> course that'd be the person you'd bring out. How would you that. go get some food from a truck? <laughs> Probably if I was there. All right, ODB. <laughs> <laughs> All right, O. <laughs> Are you a fan of hers then? Generally. No, no, you were no. TNA. She's got a good no. gimmick, and she got over, didn't she? She was one of the she more. Got over, she got over what it was, but you know, Jesus, it's like fifteen years since then. No, it's not. When was she in TNA? It would have been mid to late two nah, thousand. She's in TNA now. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> she's. I think she's only doing like the next paper. I think she's in a three way. I think Matt was telling me. Um, but yeah, I think a, a pomp was mid two thousands. I think that's that's yeah. that's a. Uh, yeah, that, that years ago. Did you were you alright with the rock and roll rest rock and roll rest? Well, rock and roll express keeping the title. That's fine by me. I mean I think the wild cards, I think, you know, obviously people hate Bram, but I think him and Royce Isaacs are a, are a good heel team. Um no, I keep it on the rock and roll. If anything, just to see like the, the contrast of like Ricky Morton made up to be there doing dives and Canadian destroyers and celebrating after the match like he's just won the real NWA tag team titles and Robert Gibson just along for the ride and the paycheck just standing there in the background. But I think it it does look a little bit like he struggles more to get around than Ricky does. Yeah, like that that act is pure Ricky Morton at this point. Plus, he's got enough to do the double drop kick, and that's more or less it. I think it was that Tory with Marty Jannetty. I think it took a lot out of him. (laughs) It took a lot out of him. Christ, it'd take a good 20 years off your life, that one, wouldn't it? What should I watch from this show if I watch anything? Watch the main event. Main event. I would would say watch the Rock and Roll Express partly because it's like... Oh, I'll watch that. It's about as much as they can go, but for five minutes, the stuff they do... Is is perfectly Tag fine. Team of the year. Oh well, there was one dive on this show. Guess who do you know? <laughs> Ricky tag Martin. Team of the Year, Rock and Roll Express. I don't know if I go Tag Team of the Year. Uh, who else is better this year? In a Violent tag team? Giants. Who are they? Oh, Ishikara and Suwama. I've, I've, I've not this. seen a match. <laughs> I've got to watch. I, that's one of the things I was hoping to get on for watching I, this show. Was the end of Tag League? I think but, if, if you dug down up, on the cage match or something, it'd probably be LAX. If you, I, I mean, I can't tell you like any five star matches right now. I'm them this year, mate. Oh, okay. I don't think their change of style in AEW is something they've adapted to in the smoothest way, if I'm honest. Oh, interesting. How about Penta and Phoenix? Yeah, yeah, but they're great. Yeah, I can't, de- I, I can't deny that. I enjoyed their I, matches and impact them two teams against each other. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I did as well. I forgot that was this year. Actually, it was earlier this year, wasn't it? It feels like such a long year, but it's still gone really quick. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. Rock and Roll Express is a novelty team. I've enjoyed mm. every single one of their matches that I've seen this year. They've just been great fun, and they've stood out, and I can remember them all. Whereas you had to remind me about those LAX, Penta, and Phoenix matches, and as True. much as I was like, that was good, I've kind of zoned them out. Yeah. <laughs> If they make it to the love of wrestling, do you think they'll they'll be right to have a beer with, wouldn't they? These two, Ooh, oh. Ricky and Robert. Ricky and Robert. I think Ricky would be keeping the party going, and Robbie would be tucked up in bed at six o'clock. That's my guess. That sounds about right. Actually, he looks <laughs> yeah, like you say. He just he's generally he's doing all right. He'll be avoiding Janetti. That's what he'll be doing. <laughs> Don't yeah. bring him over and again for the love of God. Don't do it for the love of wrestling. Don't do it. Um... Yeah, love of Liverpool, mate. <laughs> considering what he would have done in that place uh, but yeah I, i'd say joe 
watch the main event in full the rest of the show just flick through it you're gonna get through it in an hour like and you can just easily you know you don't have to watch the entirety of eli jink and mr anderson but it was fine for what it was women's matches definitely skip over I get a real kick out of anything Aaron Stevens and the question mark. So do I. Anything anything Aaron Stevens does has got like down to the skin coloured trunks, to him hiding yeah. behind Christmas trees, to him thinking the crowd are cheering for him when really they're cheering for question mark. Like he's a guilty pleasure of mine. Not even a guilty pleasure, he's a he's a highlight of mine of this of this TV show. Never did you know after seeing him walk out like a bloated corpse on impact like three years ago and just look entirely dead behind the eyes the entire time he was there that i thought he had another run in him but in, the, in this nwa run and on this show particularly like the little combo he's got with question mark and his uh karate and his flag unveiling segment which was absolutely uh, hilarious like i've got a lot Mongro- of time mongrovian karate the mongrovian karate and the mongrovian flag i've got a lot of time for aaron stevens in 2019 i didn't think that was going to happen i heard brian alvarez going absolutely getting really angry at this and i was like i couldn't Did understand he? because I thought the bits with Colt Cabana and Ricky Starks were actually pretty good mm. as like proper kind of like a match. Ricky Starks, when I've seen him on here, he's kind of like a re- again a really good fit, and it was kind of technical Colt Cabana. Mm. But the Aaron Stevens stuff was perfectly fine. Oh. It wasn't like absolutely awful. The question mark thing, it's it's basically the Miz and what who who was he in Damian Mizda? Damian Mizda. It's that. It's that same gimmick again. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. You've probably got a bit of faith that they're actually going to try and follow it through, but it's exactly the same sort of dynamic, isn't yeah. it, with the, with the, to a certain degree with the, with the imitation. Mm, cross with the, like, the Midnight Rider slash Mr. America type thing, you know? Yeah. Mm. Joe Galley as well, he just delivers this stuff with the straightest of faces. Mm. Just doesn't like veer from it. He doesn't, when he's saying Mongrovian karate and they're talking about this, and it's just like, weirdly this is kind of working uh, yeah. yeah yeah good it, perfectly fun show yeah fun show I, I did one note I'd make I didn't love Stu Bennett as much as you did and as much as everyone else seemed to for me he just sound like a generic British commentator like we were saying he kind of sounds like you know you used to watch those FWA tapes or those uh, UWA TVs and you just have the shouty British announcer I kind of see him like that. I never liked him on ITV World of Sports, but I accept him in the I'm in the minority with that. Mm. Like the majority of people thought he was fine and he was he was okay. Um, I did that yeah. doing somersaults over him. He's no cornet, but who's going to be? Uh, I suppose is the uh, the thing you can say there. You but... certainly trust him more on the on a live <laughs> mic than you would do with cornet. Shouty British commentators. You're talking about your mate Glenn. <laughs> I'm talking about every. I'm talking about your mate Andy Q as well, mate. If you want to get into that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely. <laughs> Definitely Glenn, because he's literally the worst commentator in uh, in Britain, as I would say. Yeah, he's he's basically that, uh, but you know, with maybe a little bit more. I'd say a little bit more integrity, but he, he was at point. He called at one point. He called uh, Mr. Anderson one of the best wrestlers, a legend, or one of the best wrestlers in the world. I think is what he said, and he referred to Colt Cabana as the greatest indie wrestler of all time. time. I kind of feel like you've just got to tone those things down. That's that's when you're getting into match striker levels. There, you've got to be careful with the uh, with the hyperbole. Yeah, he did, didn't he? He did the yeah the the Ken Anderson one about him being like one of the greatest talkers of all time. <laughs> you know, really? That was a good impression. Really, actually. one of the most annoying talkers of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. But... Doesn't he get out of ODB? Anderson. I don't know. Yeah, I think they were a couple. What an annoying couple they would be. 
<laughs> Jesus. Imagine going on a double date with them. Fucking hell. Well, on that note, like this this week, didn't um, Alan Farrell break us the news, JP, that uh, apparently Jamie High Hater's not going out with Jimmy Havoc anymore? Do you reckon she's a listener to this podcast? Do you reckon she hear the slag off Jimmy Havoc and left? <laughs> she's had a lucky escape and, a, you know, good Call- on her and good on her liver. Carl the Fredericks, she's with apparently. Get to her brains. Carl Fredericks, yeah. She's gone with Good the on the girl. Look, future star right there. She was going to have a waste of space who's had his day and is going to be a jobber in AEW and that's the best he's ever going to get and he'll be doing a grand return at Progress in 14 days, exactly two weeks today for me mate Jim uh, to say goodbye and she's going out with a future star there who I've seen bright things for and what a body. What a look that man. Yeah. So, (laughs) an upgrade. But what will he look like if you paint it all in white? And then do some paper cuts on it. A fucking like nuts. Jim would do. Oh, there's a yeah. money match there. <laughs> <laughs> Carl Fredericks versus Jimmy Abbott. <laughs> Grudge match that we didn't know we wanted. Oh, I mean, no. maybe they could do involve Excalibur somewhere as well, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I suppose while we're on that point, AEW, you know, very quickly before we go, I suppose again, uh, we had a bit of a go at AEW last week. I did feel like this TV, this week's TV was a, a big improvement. Uh, I didn't think it was perfect by any means. I think some of the layout of the show still needs uh, a bit of work. I didn't like, you know, the big Cody tag going straight on before the MJF promo where MJF is outright calling out Cody and he's nowhere to be seen. Mm. There are little things like that I don't like, but the content of both, the Cody tag was incredible. Uh, You know, I probably saw the worst space flying tiger drop of all time but i thought qt marshall was a load of fun as cody's partner i thought mjf hit all the right points and did a killer promo i really enjoyed that segment all in all to be honest apart from again the women's stuff on the show i did think that all in all there was a a much improved show from last week and i pretty much enjoyed every segment on the show this week which i haven't been able to say for three or four weeks me and JP watched this before the exit poll. Um, <laughs> so it was pretty good. Simpler times, wasn't it? Then? Yeah, it was. Eight o'clock on Thursday. Quite good fun. Um, and it was followed by uh, just, yeah, yeah the, the bleakest shared moment me and JP have maybe ever had together. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there have been many good moments in the last however many years we've known each other. Nine years, something like that. That was the worst. Yeah, that that's probably probably gonna be gonna be the worst. Yeah, but the happy times continue, and the happier times were had when we were watching a QT Marshall get over against the Blade and the Butcher in a match I thought was designed to get the Butcher and the Blade over, but in fact it got QT Marshall over, and I thought <laughs> it was a really good fun traditional tag match. Yeah, I thought the, I th- mm. to be honest, I would say it got everyone over. I thought Butcher and the Blade came across really well. I still hate the name. I just call him Pepper Parks and Andy Williams. Is it? I just call yeah, him yeah. that. Butcher and the Blade can just be the nickname, can't it? It doesn't need to be the name. Their actual names as well. But yeah, I love that. I, I saw some criticism that like maybe they gave QT Marshall too much, but I thought he was great in his loser underdog, giving everything for his mate Cody kind of role. Uh, I'd, he, he probably did a worse crossroads than MJF did, which kind of killed that nugget of the uh, the story a little bit. But I thought yeah. he was great, and I thought Cody was great. Uh, and yeah, I thought this was uh, one of my favorite AEW matches of the last few weeks. Yeah, I was watching this, and one of the things I think early on, I said to Joe, I was like, they're just getting too much, QT Marshall. But then, as it went on, it was like, okay, this is actually quite fun. This is this is just a, a good, traditional tag team match. And it was perfectly good fun. That crowd was hot. 
they were like well up for it as well. So I don't know how big it was. It was probably one of the smaller crowds that they did. But again, wow. those smaller crowds, yeah, really loud. I mean, compared to that TLC crowds, mm. where honestly, you'd have heard people farting in that crowd <laughs> up on the mics compared to like this crowd that were well into it and all, you know more into QT Marshall than certainly that the heat machine Baron Corbin got probably on TLC. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so, it agrees. Yeah, really good fun. I, th- I, think the, the, <laughs> I think the crowd were like especially good even on like the opener. You know, when Mo- like another thing I really loved about the show is Moxley coming out right at the start, feeling like the star he is. It feels like the oh, many dropped. Right reaction. Remember like week three or week two, whatever it was, and he just came out like a regular wrestler in his trunks from the entrance way and just had a wrestler match. Like I think someone they finally clued in on, you know, Moxley's a big star. Let's present him as a big star. You know, he's getting his big promos now and he's getting, you know, leads off the show hot, crowd a big behind him. It's a quick squash. And then Jericho comes out and does the DDP NWO segment. Like, I loved everything they did about, like, the first 15 minutes of the show. They did. Um, I didn't like seeing Alex Reynolds later on when he was <laughs> watching a... Oh, fuck me, that was... Dark awful. Order. That's terrible, yeah. That, that was, that was like, WWE level. Like, what about that's... this invisible camera stuff? Yeah, Tony's yeah, he said he hated yeah. that, didn't he? Stuff on weapons under the ring, we're starting to see that creep in as well. A lot of uh, WWE tropes are happening in AEW right now. Yeah, that's one of the only things I've got a bit of an issue with because I think they're falling for tropes where they shouldn't be falling for tropes, where they should be trying to do their own thing. And it's a bit of a shame because I thought that we were going to get rid of some of this bollocks and stuff like, you know, like the DQs that we should sometimes have where they get rid of a WWE trope. It's kind of the one that maybe should be there, and they should work out ways yeah. to do that slightly differently. Whereas some of the the invisible camera stuff, this was a terrible segment. Yeah, and I think because we'd heard all the stuff about not having an invisible camera, it makes it stand out even more. Because the first thing you think about is we weren't going to get this shit. Mm. So last time, think about that promo in the opening of the show with Cody Sammy Guevara. Like those are the kind of promos, not this bollocks. Yeah, no, no, no brand. Just. Get the Dark Order and Brandy Rhodes off my TV. Like that that's kind of what I want at this point. Like that, yeah. again, it speaks to the again, there's lots of positive on the show, but from a quality control point of view, there's nobody watching those Brandy Rhodes promos and going, you know what? It kind of feels like she's just playing a character mm. that's not her. Like it couldn't be faker. Maybe this kind of I don't know, vanity project shouldn't be on our TV. That's where it's they bit- use me. Go on, Joe. Go on, JP. I was thinking to myself, is it possibly, though, that what might be happening backstage is that when Brandy's out there, Pharaoh's getting very excited, and if Pharaoh's excited, <laughs> Tone's excited, and I think he's letting the whole thing go to shit in that case. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and that might be the case. He's like, no, put him out there. It's like, it's not working, Tone. And he's just sat there. He goes, no, I'm not standing up from the gorilla position. I'm staying sat down. Yeah. You thought that one through. I really have given him far too much thought. I'm not stealing my gimmick. You are, man. (laughs) I am indeed. Carry on. No, that's it. Right after Christmas now, it's Ask JP. There's no Ask Rev Joe anymore. There you go. (laughs) Ask us all. (laughs) We're we're free mates. Ask the free mates. We could get a t-shirt, hundred podcasts. Oh yeah, could do, could do. That's what yeah. one blue chew advert. That's that's what we. If we ever release merch, let's parody that t-shirt. 
rebates. And who the fuck would buy T-shirts from us? That's just a weird thing to say. But mm, anyway, Spain, yeah. um, what was I going to say? There was some outside Eastenders War Games. Is that time of year to yeah. bring it up again? Uh, uh, but uh, what was I going to say? There was something I was going to say Bradley about Bradley Rogers crap. Oh. I'm guessing. Oh, I was going to say someone. Maybe it's a bit like De Niro in Casino, and she's like the Sharon Stone, and someone should clue De Niro and Cody in that you know this is fucking shit and it's not going to work in the way that De Niro's relationship with Sharon Stone was never going to work. But that was shite, and I should have just shut up because JP's joke was much better. So. <laughs> yeah. But it was, yeah, it was bad stuff. But all in all, I enjoyed the show. I thought Lucha, Luchasaurus and Sammy Guevara was, was a lot of fun. I thought Jericho was brilliant on commentary. I was sadly left him with JR mm. and Norik Scalabar, but I, I did think that uh, him and, uh, and Swagger sitting there silently were a, were a good little uh, combo on uh, on commentary. I thought that did a, did a way to maybe get Sammy over a little bit more, get Luchasaurus over a little bit more. I thought that was really well done. I thought the main event was good too. I wasn't throwing roses at it. I went... 3.25, I think, on Grapple. Maybe I might even be the low mm. man on that. I just thought it was a typical street fight with big spots. But if you believe the report, I think Nick Jackson was literally dying backstage, wasn't he, going into it? So it's a, maybe it's a, it should be a shock that uh, it was as good as it was. But I know on, uh, on Grapple, mm. people enjoyed that one. For me, I thought, and if he was dying, then he managed to pull something pretty good out, considering the circumstances. For me and JP were saying at the time, I don't know whether they're in plunder, what we haven't mm. seen these two teams do is the sort of athletic PWG style match that got the Bucks their rep in the first place. And I showed a load of clips of Bucks matches from PWG before, and it was all the athletic stuff, not the pl- not plunder stuff. Mm. I wish that these guys would just go out there and have one of those mad matches that you know you can have. They can have with all the athletic stuff, and I think that would get more hype, and I think it would get more talk than plunder. Mm. Um, I think AEW may be doing plunder stuff bit too often mm. and it's just just not what i want to see mm. because it's so it's been so overdone over the years and just leave it leave it to the likes of havoc leave it leave it to the shite yeah yeah or just not put havoc on telly i'd take that too you know um i'd not do it at all uh, it's a bit like janella mm. like did you, like i had a problem with that like janella I'm a massive Joe Janela fan, not as a wrestler, just as like a promoter slash someone who got himself over against the odds. I've got a real soft spot for Joe Janela. Him turning up with Tully Blanchard tied up, doing like a weird kind of sinister kidnapping angle, I'm not on board with. These are the, t- these are the types of, I don't, you know, I feel mean saying it, but I don't know if it's too, is it too strong? I don't, I don't, I think I prefer Joe Janela if he wasn't on TV. I think he should be on the Indies. I don't think AEW is the right place for him. I feel the same way yeah. about him that I do about Jimmy. Like, in a more positive way, but that I feel about Jimmy Havoc. He shouldn't be on TV. I don't think he's a TV wrestler, and I think he makes the, mm. he does make the show look low rent. I don't know if I'm out to lunch there because I do, I do like him, but it feels bad. You feel bad saying it, but I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. There's something about it where the thing that got him his buzz is the thing that he's not actually doing now. And you take that away because in terms of the creation and in terms of the creativity, like this is someone who is, um, you know, he has his niche obviously with the, uh, with the spring break series. And it's the kind of thing you should have him continually doing mm. because if nothing else, it's getting, if you've got him associated with AEW and AEW letting their guys work those kind of shows as well, realizing it's actually important for the overall development of the industry, I think you'd get like almost a lot of goodwill with Joey Janela. I think you'd get a much more interesting character that would be a lot more truer than this version where clearly 
all of the GCW stuff has just merely been a stopgap for him getting revenge on Tully Blanchard. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they need they need to have these guys out on indies, if you ask me. Yeah. Janela would have been a good... Private ga- party. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Right. Where have they been? They've disappeared. But Janela would have been a good gateway to that, if anything. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think that'd be a better use of them. And maybe they can throw Sean Spears on the indies while they're at it as well. Like, what a, what a waste of uh, the lights go off. Uh, like oh no trope that Sean Spears is he get, his, his entrance is almost as dramatic as Cody's it's fucking Sean Spears calm down everyone uh, but yeah there's some low points but all in all I did think it was a definitely a, a better show than last week interesting that they tied exactly with NXT uh, in the TV ratings as well uh, maybe a little bit of cause to concern that they're now floating under 800,000 but do you reckon that's down a one Nielsen viewer just falling asleep sometime <laughs> before eight o'clock it's not maybe. switching the telly over oh yeah well, well I, I moan about it every week but when like AEW beats them by like 12,000 viewers and everyone goes well AEW won it's like I don't think you understand how ratings work I think that's just like you said mm-hmm. one person's fellow might or might not fall in, in front, asleep in front of the TV and that's all the difference you need statistically to uh, to change that <clears throat> um, I don't know anything on the on the ratings from this week or AW in general. I'm glad they got a pay per view to build to. That was another big story too. Well, the ratings were drawn, but you know I'd much rather have had uh, a hung parliament <laughs> than hung ratings. That's all I'll say for that. <laughs> That's where the numbers really counted, and we got fucking killed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're loading up the shows next week though. They got a lot. They've got it. They've. Uh, them and NXT are both kind of making next week like their big kind of not season finale but kind of big year ender. They're obviously doing the big uh, Jericho Jungle Boy match. We've got a SCU. Is it against the Young Bucks? Uh, is in there too. Uh, you know, I, I think I think they'll rebound next week. I think they'll. I think they'll go. Now that the Survivor Series sheen is off, I think they'll go back to a handily beating NXT. Whether they ever get back to a million and a half like they did at week one is another question. But I do think they'll rebound there. Lose that supernatural bollocks. Get back to more presenting people as human beings and they might actually get somewhere with it because that's what they were doing on that first week. And I know obviously it fell down, but that's how premiere shows tend to work because you've got a bit of a drop off. I just, who's watching it for the Brandy Road stuff? And if so, can they go away? Because <laughs> they've got no place watching this kind of stuff, watch, watching a show like this. Um, I like science fiction and I don't mind horror. In fact, I don't really like horror that much. The horror films I like aren't really horror films. But you know what? Actually, I think horror is probably the most overrated genre ever. There we go. Oh. Controversial. Oh. Mate, how many horror films are the same formulaic? Well, there is that. That's a problem. But... Time after time. Yeah. The great horror films, if you ask me, go beyond being just horror films. The Shining. Wow. The Wicker Man. The Exorcist. There are three absolute classics if right Brandy there. Brandy Rhodes was chale- channeling some, I don't know, something from the orphanage or the Babadook. It'd be a bit more interesting in terms of horror. But clearly here, she's just thought, I don't know, what she's watched. It's like shite from The Omen, where she's yeah. well, she's not a child, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> anyway, I like The Omen. Great film. So you've given a lot of hate to horror, like, but it's this time of year, Joe. I'll be tuning into a lot of Christmas oh, yeah. horror films next year, next next week. Sorry. So you know, watch it. You know, the what Saints, are you watching? Saints, Krampus, same shit again. To be honest, I, I don't think. I think Black Christmas came out this uh, this this winter, but I know. Uh, but but I think Joe's criticism is still correct. They all are basically the same film. Scary Father Christmas turns up to ruin Christmas, or something I don't, on those lines. Do you know what? You know when I go about, I don't really like gimmicks. It kind of is consistent in life i don't like gimmicks gimmick films they're just gimmick films those films i don't watch horror any other time of year 
the only gimmick films I like are like geezer films with like <laughs> that Danny Dyer would previously star in before EastEnders. So and even those have got pretty bad. I haven't watched Fan one of the show Craig Fairbrass and yeah, Rise yeah. of the Foot Soldier for Marbella. Yeah, there's a gimmick <laughs> film. Like, geezers as gimmicks I can kind of go for a little bit. But yeah, horror gimmicky stuff. I'm consistent across the board. Give me some good horror any day. You know what I watched this week for the first time, Joe? I watched They Live. What were your thoughts on They Live? Oh, classic. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, I can't believe it took you 35 years to watch that. Shocking, isn't it? Like, obviously, I know the memes. I don't know of Piper being in it. And I feel like I've maybe seen it on TV at some point, mm-hmm. but I've never actually sat down and watched it. Enjoyed it. Very it, good. Not it's a, when oh, Carpenter's best. On... Not his best, but, it, you know, it's no. mid-range Carpenter, like, like we said. The though. Thing. There's another horror film I like. Well, well, I was going to say three of my favourite films of all time. It's Escape from New York, The Thing, and Big Trouble in Little China. Like, three of my favourite. I love John Carpenter. Mm. Although, I remember watching one, was it Ghosts of Mars? And I almost felt like weeping. And I did go to the cinema and watch Escape from L.A., which is a shocking film. Terrible, terrible film. So I do like horror films. I just can't. I just don't like the likes of, I don't know, House of a Thousand Corpses and all that gimmicky shine. You wouldn't see me at... Or the remakes of The Hills of Eyes. You wouldn't yeah, enjoy Yeah, you that. wouldn't see me at Fright it's Fest. The, it's, the, sure. it's the death matches of movies, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Um, yeah, but the the other big thing, I remember the big takeaway though, was I haven't watched They Live. I feel like you know Piper had a decent career in cinema. In cinema, I feel like you could have had a better career. I feel like if Piper was in Escape from LA, I feel like it would have done better. JP, I feel like he could have been a, a big movie star. Shame it didn't happen. Yeah, he would. Have, well, don't watch. I think it's it. Oh, what is it? Hell comes to Frogtown that I want <laughs> watched on one of those Sky channels. You might mean like the horror channel on that. Literally him against the upper against these lads with frogs, and he's the only person on earth who's uh, only male on earth who's um, who's able to come. Basically, mm. go back onto that theme again. Oh. So yeah, <laughs> he's he's yeah. So there he is. Um, yeah, it's a shit film. I watched two hours of it. And I was like, God, this is awful. Well, it's Santa with muscles season, isn't it? So you know, there you go. <laughs> Santa Hogan. Get Goldberg in the mix, yeah. Lots to watch. Surely Kevin Nash has made some horror films on the least sort of oh, going on those. I love it when Kevin Nash turns up in a film. I, Magic Mike, he was the highlight for me. He was Watching with Matthew McConaughey have conversations yes. in the background while Channing Tatum is front and centre. <laughs> I was watching Tatum. I was watching McConaughey and Nash and yeah. thinking... I wonder what they're chatting about. Any, any <laughs> time, getting on awfully well. Anytime there was a dance scene, I'd just be watching Nash, and he could barely move. Yep. It was like very much like his wrestling career. And then to top things off, he got he passed out on Somers, and I was like, the amount of times this probably happened in locker rooms in the mid nineties when Nash was there. Perfect. What casting? Oh, brilliant. Great choice. Also, loads of people I know are like, oh, Magic Mike. Whenever they mention it, I'm like, oh, why'd you make a Tarzan? (laughs) (laughs) I've heard him mention this at work. Have you? I can't ever do that. Just to see what people's reaction is and see where they make a Kevin Nash. And it's always interesting. A lot of my girlfriend's mates who have gone to see Magic Mike live and stuff are bringing up and they're like, Who's that? I'm like the old guy in uh, in Magic Mike. Why are you asking about him? Like big sexy. No reason. <laughs> <laughs> when he turned up in John Wick, me and my brother watched. Yeah. My dad as well got very excited, and my dad was like, "Is a oh, wrestler? Is it?" Forgot he was yep. in that. Yeah. Super <laughs> shredder himself. Who, thought, who knew that he'd uh, he'd be getting getting the getting the work in this late stage in his life? I appreciate that. Punisher oh, film as well, that one with Travolta. He's in that. Oh, yeah. He? Didn't he, he got stabbed during that. Remember when Jesus. he was? He, he did like a do to be comeback, didn't he? And he was like, 
Yeah, did he lose it? Was it a hair versus hair match he lost, or did he just come out one day with a buzz cut? And it was he lost to Jericho in a hair ah, versus hair match on Raw. Yeah. yeah, and that was literally <laughs> because he was filming Punisher. Good reason, is it? Good a reason as any. Hanging out at Travolta for a few days and a terrible film, you know. There you go. Well, I, I probably should be ending the show, but I just want to ask. Actually, Christmas is coming up. What's your like your uh, what's your go to films for Christmas? What you what you pick up and rewatch? Well, this Christmas, um, a Die Hard. I'm boring like that. The mm. kids haven't watched Die Hard to my shame, so they're watching it this Awful Christmas. Parenting. It does feel like bad parenting, doesn't it, for that? I'm certainly not making them watch Die Hard 2, which is awful. Can I absolutely stress that? Um, so I'm going to make them watch that. Gremlins as well. Okay. Do, in, do enjoy it. Scrooged. Basically, anything with sentiment, fuck off. I'm not yeah, interested. It's I'm long, that kind of a person. Yeah, you yeah. know, I'll throw Elf on. You know, I always watch um, Home Alone. It's not a Christmas movie, but I will always watch Planes, Trains at this time of oh, year. Just it. It's a holiday film, you know, being Thanksgiving. Which all, mm. And every time I watch it, I think, oh, I want more John Candy, and I'll end up throwing Uncle Buck on as well. Oh, another great one. Yeah, These aren't pillows. Might, um, might watch Ferris Bueller. Those kind of 80s comedies are kind of what I find myself uh, putting on during Christmas time. I don't know about you, Joe. Uh, Howard and Kumar uh, 3D Christmas, absolute <laughs> classic. Mm. Have you seen that? <laughs> You've told me about this yeah, before. Yeah, well, I saw it in 3D, and it was just satirised 3D. I saw it in a cinema in Pompey, late night screen on Boxing Day one year. Only cinema showing it on the South Coast. And we were the only people in the cinema. It was great. Uh, there's a picture of me going to see it in a CM Punk t-shirt. Why is that a, a, a detail that I'm adding? Claymation penises coming out the screen. Uh, yeah, um, jizz coming out the screen in 3D. Hilarious, but just a great <laughs> film. Uh, Riz is in it as well, Benno. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Little, Papa yeah, nice. little bit of something there for you as well. Um, <laughs> Home Alone, but Home Alone 2 more so than the first one, uh, I think. I don't yeah. like Home Alone 2. Uh, I love the love the New York setting. Yeah. Uh, sure. The only bit with Home Alone 2 I don't like is when Brenda Fricker, yeah. JP's favourite actress, turns no. up mm. and kind of kills the film as the bird lady for Yeah, a bit. she's terrible, yeah. I remember I often, having, as a kid, I had a pirate copy of that. And I used to watch it like every Christmas and it was like the worst pirate copy. It was like, like it had like the Bray Wyatt red tint on it. That's how bad the coffee it was. But I'd still Jesus. watch it every year. But no. When as pirate a, videos were pirate videos. Yeah. Simpler but, times. But, but in, in modern times. Not these days with DVDs gone now. <laughs> Political correctness. I, I struggle to watch it though. After like, I always watch Home Alone, and then when I put two on, it is just a little bit of a retread. I think you need to watch it standalone. Oh, yeah. I think you can't watch them in order. It's one of the. It's like as a one-two. I don't think it works. Uh, fair enough. I always watch it standalone from mm. what I remember. Um, I could quote loads of the second one for years as well because I'd watch it every Christmas. And I think it was like the appeal of New York and the big city and stuff mm. that really like took me in as a kid. I also saw it at the cinema when I was five, so I think that might have been part mm. of the reason as well. Die Hard, obviously. Jingle All the Way, absolute Oh, classic. definitely watching that. Saw that at the cinema as well, but a Turbo Did Man you? at Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dad took me and my brother to see on Christmas Eve one year. Nice. Good Christmas, that. 1996. Um, good year. <laughs> um, Blue Velvet. Top. Uh, I'll leave Frank Booth and Blue Velvet to you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you perv. For those of you who haven't seen it before, watch Blue Velvet. Watch it with the parents. Christmas Day. Great treat. <laughs> Make sure you get the Queen's speech in first. Though. Yeah. Well, you'll have to get that in. Yeah. If there's one thing I know about this country, is especially those gammon dads, if the one they love, 
mid eighties David Lynch. Put it on. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> This is a good, good content, this, isn't it? I know, yeah. <laughs> it really Probably is. should have opened with this, shouldn't we, rather than 30 minutes of rolling about the state of the country. We've left it to the yes. last 20 minutes that no one listens to. I reckon there's like three people who make it this far. Uh, there are statistics on this that I've looked at, and they, they'll surprise you sometimes. Oh, they'll, okay. they'll skip through some stuff, and I go, why did you skip? That was the fucking hey, that's guy. Why I, that's why I put the timestamps in, JP. I'm glad they're being used. Yep. Oh, they are. Yeah. Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> <On that. Right. laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> yes, we're not doing a, a show next week. Kind of. Like, yeah, I'd say we're not, but well. we are, but we aren't, but not. It's going to be a weird week next week, I would say. I think next week was, but there's going to be a post-wrestling British Wrestling Experience special where we do the, the best in Brit Res uh, and worst in Brit Res, as I said earlier, for the year. Uh, JP, you're going to be joining us for that one, we, we hope, as long as all things uh, work out. And we might mm-hmm. have a special guest. You know, we might somehow be able to get into your house and also potentially be there for the end of the podcast. But, you know, don't want to give the game Fingers away. crossed. It could be someone, you know. You're right, Joe. Um, and also, <laughs> <laughs> so that, that could that could be happening. <laughs> yeah, that the, uh, the post forums were, uh, weren't particularly complimentary after the NXT UK takeover review. I don't know why, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> you have that he effect. has strong opinions on jo- big Joe Coffee fans on that board. <laughs> Snowflake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be fair, it was fifty-fifty, and you know, not wrong with being a Marmite man, Joe. I think that works. Uh, but yeah, I am a Marmite man in every walk of life. <laughs> I always have been since as far back as I remember. There you go. So yeah, that's going to be happening next week. Also, you know, we busted out once a year. We're going to be doing Ash Rev Joe at the tail end of next week. Uh, I expect it'll be one of the weekend nights. We haven't quite nailed down a day yet. Mm. Uh, I'll probably just put it out as soon as rather than waiting for the Monday, depending on when we get it. Get it done. No editing, JP. I refuse. It'll just go out raw. Every question will be answered. Okay, maybe I'll yeah. leap things here and there again. Uh, but yeah, I don't I've, sh- I've said bad shit today. I can say badder after a couple of drinks. So you might have to do a little edit. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Wait, so and yeah, if, if you're not, uh, I believe that somewhere you can find the old Indie Corner archive. If you're not aware of what we're talking about, listen to last year's. Very proud of that one. Alan Farrell only listened to it a couple of months ago, didn't he? JP. And he yep. Um, so we'll be I found a link again. out there for those who haven't heard it. It oh, probably okay. wonder. Geez, these lot are nasty on progress. Like yeah, we've been doing this for about three years. Now. <laughs> That's it. It's this been is our gimmick. That very one. much the continuation of a theme yeah but if you do oh, want- like this is great to fuck <laughs> but if you do want to ask questions uh the hashtag is uh, hashtag ask rev joe i'll put a proper call out sometime next week but feel free uh if you're not a twitter man like joe i thought about this i thought you know there might be people who, who want to ask questions who can't you know i've had questions dm to be on instagram before i suppose you can do that too but i do have a i have a dummy email address grapplebeno at gmail.com set that up a Ooh. while ago uh, email me there. I'll get it if you've got any Suits questions. Suits you, Benno. Bloody hell. Uh, you, know, you know, I wanted to... Uh, wanted to I didn't want to leave Grapple Gareth as the only uh, Grapple as a forename person out there. So, yeah, you can get your questions in, but I'll probably a proper call out uh, next week for it. So, yeah, that'll be tail end of uh, of next week as well. So, the content, it just might be a little bit sporadic. Anything else? I think that's it. Things can only get better. Chavo uh, Guerrero blocked me on Twitter this week. That's what I found that. Who out. did? Chavo Guerrero. 
I First Batista, now Chavo. What's going on? I don't know. I, I feel like somebody did a search and they found tweets of me from 2012, I think it is, slagging off Chavo Guerrero when Impact brought him <laughs> in and treated him like he was the biggest free agent signing in the world and he was beating up half the X Division and getting 20-minute in-ring promo segments. So I wasn't very nice about him. Maybe, maybe he did a vanity search and he found out. Good when I found that out, though. Detail vanity search going back seven years. It's a deep dive, isn't it? Unless him and Batista have had a word in the group chat. Maybe that's what it is. Um, <laughs> but anyway, what's the rant about that? Anything else from you guys or shall we uh, wrap up from now? No, that's that's it. Merry Christmas. Yeah, there you go. Merry Christmas, everyone. We'll be around over the next couple of weeks. Get your questions in, Ash Rev, Joe, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Chilling with his dog in the park I approached him very slowly with my heart full of fear Looked at his dog 